This podcast contains swearing and occasional disturbing content. I don't need to live in this physical realm. I walk around in the physical realm. In the spiritual world is where I live. I exist in places you never even dreamed of. Welcome to the High Strangers Podcast, episode 16. I am one of your two hosts, Gav. And I'm the other one, Sarah. <laughs> I don't know, I always like to try and spring an introduction on you, I never know what I'm going to do. Uh? As soon as you press record, I just go... It's bad that I just go into some sort of really shit joke routine, stand-up routine or something. Yeah, don't do that. Could do. Don't do <laughs> I'm not going to. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm glad I've finished doing the research for this bit. So, ladies and gents, we decided this would be a two-parter. And again, yeah. you know what you're listening to because you've seen it on the script uh, description info on the podcast episode. But yes, we're doing cults. But because of the nature of cults, yeah, there's so many of them, and it's so massive. Because I've done, I've done like great detail and kind of gone into you know people's backstories and the whole. Uh, all their lives leading up to the cult and uh, what happened in the cult as well. So, yeah, when I suggested this episode, I didn't take into account that it no. would be so bloody enormous. So, so you, I got going yeah. and I was like, yeah, maybe make this one a two-parter because, like, notage. Yes, so totally. much notage. Oh, gone deaf one now. Yeah, you knocked it. There you go. <laughs> Get comfy. Getting comfy, isn't oh. No, idea. technological issues. So, yes, um, uh, we're doing cults. Um, you're, we're doing all lots of different cults. Yeah. Sarah, lovely Sarah has been tirelessly researching all I of have. the different cults the best that we can. Cause because we could, of course, just say, uh, describe cults as a quick sentence, uh, maybe a page of notes sort of thing, and then go into one particular cult. Yeah, um, but it's kind of cool just because of the nature of this podcast, and we kind of just like to look at the strange weirdnesses of the world and mm. the qualities and what's going on in the world. It's good to get a wide, yeah, and see all the of- different ones. And also, I think you need to get that background of of the the cult leaders, you know, and obviously get an understanding of the people that join these these things, you know. But you've got to get a background of these people to see how and why they decided to take this particular kind of path you know mm. so it's, it, you know you've got to do that backstory you can't just go oh all of a sudden this cult appeared and they started doing this shit you know and it's like you need to know the lead up to that and and not even the cult leaders and the cults themselves the individuals why they're doing it obviously it's the same with like re- very much religion and that's why we saw yeah. we saw a description of religion like Christianity being essentially a cult. Oh, such. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Because when we say the word cult, we don't have to necessarily say a bad thing. Mm. You're going to have some cults who are, are... See, the word cult is always just... It's just been put into, like, old-school heavy metal or old horror movies and, well, and Satanism it, and Yeah, it just kind of means a, follow, a following, doesn't it, really? Yeah. It's it's a leader with a following. But it's been, it's been put out into media as obviously a... Yeah, the word gets banded around quite a lot, doesn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but there is that sort of thing. So, so we did see a description of Christianity being a sort of that cult. Stuff. And yeah. when it comes down to it, the, the people, the individual people themselves who do it, it's uh, we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. We haven't done a catchback from last time. Um, but yeah, it's the individuals wanting to find a purpose, needing to find something, and finding something that suits them, or they are open and take anything that comes along. Yeah, there's going to be all t- manners of different peoples as there is different cults. Yeah, well, I think it's people looking for something, isn't it? You know, they're not they're not finding what they need in their life. Mm. They're kind of looking for something else. They're looking outside themselves for that spiritual connection, I suppose. You know, and and I think that makes them quite vulnerable. Whereas, like before, we were talking about um, on the last episode. Obviously, we did Jimmy, and he was a predator. You know, I think these cult leaders, in a way, are similar as well. You know, they see these people, they know that they're feeling vulnerable, they know that they can take advantage of them, so they kind of jump on that. So it's kind of like another predatory angle, I suppose. Mm. Most of the time, indeed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, last time. Jimmy Savile. Dirty, dirty Jimmy. You made you feel a bit, wo- a bit woozy, didn't it? I did Bless feel a bit you. woozy now. I hope, listeners, you lovely lot had an all right time with that and you were coping with that. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's just a not be nice episode. Mm. Anyway, that's what we did. There's no, no, nothing more about that. Yeah. We've got nothing more to say. Yeah, no updates on that or anything, is there? I don't think it's going to be, really. No. Well, no, I'll tell you what, as an update, is that the fact that, well, it's not an update, the fact that I said last time, be warned, we're going to talk about the BBC and the Royal Family. I didn't really, and we didn't really no, have a no. uh, di- uh, discussion about that. No. Um, but I thought we might have veered into that because, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, words BBC and people say things and, and there's stuff yeah. out there and, and there's something going on there. But I didn't, and I had a, I didn't. my little rant about the BBC and the TV licence, didn't I? I think that was what kicked you off. Oh, no, better put the disclaimer in in case Sarah goes off on one ranting about BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paedophile yeah. funders. <clears throat> disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, see, I've done this game this time. You can't start going throwing f- shit like that in there, Come, Coming out, you you. yeah, that's it. Got to keep you on uh, your toes, love. Anyway, <laughs> so cults. Yes. Like we're just saying, it takes all sorts. It takes Indeed all sorts to be a person that goes. Hey, you know what? If I keep saying this, yeah, they might keep believing me. And I'll just make it up as I go along. Yeah. And then let's just see. Unless you've got some kind of like personal agenda anyway that you're going to kind of get these these people involved in, you know, and go, oh, I can get them to do do this shit for me, you know. Or you generally feel like you want to do better in the world. Yeah. Let's get people away from these fucking governments. And right now, how many people are thinking, God can we get away from the governments and their rules and yeah. do our own thing because we know how to do it better than them or we feel like we know you know yeah. as everybody as all individuals do um, so yeah it, some people but like yeah let, let's get a, let's get a group of us together let's go out and then it happens to be like oh another person joined us oh do you mind if Bill comes Bill, oh okay cool then you get the then you get the person that comes in and says yeah I don't think you're doing it right as a leader Maybe mm. I should be the leader. Yeah. And it's like a movie. You can see it just unfolding and then 
badness comes into it. And yeah, just, totally. It's just the way human nature is because you've always got someone has to up the other person and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like obviously if you're in a position of power, you know, and you're enjoying all the things that that power brings, you've got control over people. You know, uh, we had a bit of this discussion earlier, didn't we, about power and control? Mm. But I think you know, obviously, uh, you kind of get used to that. And you know that you can keep up in it, you know, if people will do one thing for you and then you push them to do something else that's probably a little bit more crazy and they just do it, you know, you're like, oh, people would do fucking anything for me. So, yeah, you just go off on one, but you, you're not going to want anyone to try and take that away from you, are they? So, that yeah, well. I think so it just... you start going more. But I think yeah. in the end it just drives you insane, mm. you know, because what, what is the limit to that? You know, or, what is the limit to that? Obviously, with Jim Jones, you know, getting everyone to drink the the flavor aid and fucking. Obviously, when it came down to it, not everyone wanted to do that, but he still got people to do that willingly for him when they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It was fucking terrifying that he had that much hold over people. Yeah. That any of these people do. have had that much hold over people. You know, but, it's insane. But. but each person being an individual themselves, and like I say, you got the one person who just decides that oh, I can have power over people and, yeah. and and talk my way into it. Even if make make fake it till I make it, I can just go along and just say all this stuff. People never believe me. Yeah, and I have, I don't care about their feelings and their emotions and yeah. their money. I don't really give a shit. I'm doing it for me because I'm selfish. Yeah. Um, and then just to go so much further, then have the other side of it. The person that's guy like, I literally don't have any idea what I'm doing on this planet I mm. don't even talk think about the planet I'm so like closed minded to everything I eat food and watch my same TV show I watch every day and yeah. blah, 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 I've got nothing in my life going for me and nobody wants to marry me nobody wants to love me I don't have any children or or you know yeah and then someone looking for something yeah get these two people in the same room yeah now or later they're it. together yeah with one leading the other um, it's crazy but you can see how that unfolds quite naturally. Yeah, definitely. With the different types of human mind and yeah. how attitudes and personalities. Yeah, totally. See, I find it quite hard to understand because I'm too... Yes, because you're strong-minded, though. Yeah, you go, I am. You, you're not going to just go along with that and understand it, but you're no, not, some too, people aren't like that. too critically thinking, I think. And plus, I don't like people telling me what to do, so like, well, I, wouldn't exactly. allow, I wouldn't last right. five minutes in anything like this at all. No. But, yeah, it seems quite hard for me to get my head round but in another way I can kind of understand how it would happen you know hmm. absolutely um, alright well on that note yeah so we're going to uh, discuss a few cults today obviously like we said um, couldn't squeeze them all into this episode because some of them like the Scientology one for example is just such a massive story it's just crazy um, so we've got Scientology in this episode, but I've tried to do them ranking from kind of least least offensive uh, to most harmful, I suppose, in range. Uh, so you're going to get the, the least on this episode and you're going to get the middle in on this episode and then next episode is going to be the worst ones. Okay. So I've done it like that. So next episode will be like... Oh. Even this episode, like, Scientology is fucking terrifying. It's probably, out of all of them, one of the scariest ones, I'd say. Which is really interesting and funny, though, that it's widely accepted mm. 
And they have buildings everywhere, yep. and they're not doing anything illegal. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but but on the onset of a building, on the, on the when you walk outside past it on the street, it, yeah. When I was in LA, I went to the Scientology Center. Yeah. It's a massive. It's a. It's a block. Is that it's, that one I put the picture up of with the big cross on the big blue building? It's enormous. I think it was an old hotel. Might be. It is huge. Massive. It's huge. That it's got looks insane. And you've got guards outside it. Um, mm. I walked around the whole thing, just looking all up at it. I was just totally fascinated because I, I, I was because um, for my other podcast at the time because we weren't obviously doing this. Mm. I thought about taking this recorder in there and see if I could sneak in there and record. Ah, fucking hell. I didn't have the That's balls. dangerous, yeah. That's dangerous shit. I wouldn't have the balls to record. I'll go in there, though. Yeah, I might just record it. Oh, that would be so scary. They mm. do scare me. Even when I was thinking about talking about them on here, I was like, oh, God, I hope it don't come for me. <laughs> well, I walked around the whole building and just just looking up all the little windows, a little window open. I was thinking, mm. wonder what's in there? You know, what's going on? Yeah. What's, what are they all doing in there? What do yep. they do? What do they? Yeah, why do they need a, a big building a to do what? Day to day thing. Do? Yeah. What do you do? Like, you know? Yeah. We we start up other chapters in other parts of the world yeah. to recruit more people. So that's what you do all day. Yeah. So when's the end goal? Yeah. When do you finish? When do you get a point? When we take over the whole world, every everybody's Scientologists. Then what are you can do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we will get on to on to them. They're so coming coming last. But and I will like just say I will just stuff. say now, L. Ron Hubbard, the guy who started it off, he did. That was his goal was to have an entire country of Scientologists. Of course, any cult member. That's what he any wanted. cult member. It's the, it's if insane. they could, it'd be the whole world. Of course. Dude wrote sci-fi books though. I just don't get how people can go along with this shit. It's so <laughs> fucking crazy. I know. What is wrong with them? Like with giving Cruise. everything to cite the church, you know, and going along with it and going, yeah, that like obviously I'll tell you the story that they've based this whole thing on when we get to them. But the story's just insane. It's like how are you even falling for this shit? Mm. It's just it boggles my mind. I but mean, then I, how does anyone fall for this shit? Well, that's you know? what I'm telling you. You you kind of don't uh, understand because you're you're. You're the sort of person who's going to do write the notes and talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, You're not the sort of person who's going to go. Oh, then. Yeah, because I you just can take uh, me in. Yeah, f- right. straight off. I just question everything exactly. that I'm ever so told you've got or to ever said. These two types of people. Yeah, definitely. Or there's many types of people. Yeah, it's going to be a person, nice, that does, yeah. a person that doesn't. Yeah, definitely. But right. yeah, it does boggle my mind. Uh, yeah, I get, I get that, but I, I'm completely open to. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And there's massive amounts of different individuals and everyone's got a different personality. Mm. So I'm not even surprised by shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, Especially definitely. the past year. Yeah, totally, yeah. Like some of them I can see, you know, like Manson and the Manson family, I can see how that happened. Easy. Everyone's off their tits on acid all the time, you know, fucking... They're just crazy, all fucking living some whacked out life out in the desert with Charles Manson, loads of sex, loads of acid, you know, and, and yeah, eventually. Sounds like a party. Exactly. You know, and then off your tits on acid and someone popped up with the idea of murder, you know, who knows what you're going to fucking do. So I can see how that one happened. Or, or just Charlie being, having that as a plan. And yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Because he never actually did anything, did he? That's really? the thing. He was totally like out, just out of the way. Yeah, it was just getting other people to do it for him. That's the funny him, thing. So. People don't know that when they say Charlie Manson. It's like, well, Charlie didn't really do anything. But I think about mm. I think it was word, possibly, that he had, you know, it said to them that he had and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Put across that he had. But I don't think actually Ed did it. And that's the funny thing. Um, Charlie, people don't think of that about Charlie. Mm. Oh, no, Charlie, vicious person. Oh, he's so bad. He's America. not. He's a bit of a dick, really. He was just fucking, had a really bad life. And he had a really shit life and he had little man syndrome. Yeah. It's and then so... wrote to load of people into some whacked out idea when everyone was fucking just out there. In on the hippie acid. time and everyone's just like, yeah, man, free love. Tripping balls, fucking shagging everyone. Mm. And yeah. So yeah, I don't know weird such a bizarre world but that's this is the best thing of this is that you've got a real variety so you you got their hippie cult yeah then you're gonna have like official kind of alien ufo businessman scientology type cult yeah then you got so what what try and put them into categories like that very quickly hippie cult scientific uh, got, kind of uh, well I suppose Scientology is a UFO cult I would say same as Heaven's Gate that's a UFO cult as well uh, we should mention very quickly uh, at some point in the episode when we do get onto these things when you speak of UFOs mention about what's going on in the world of UFOs at the moment. I'll let you do that bit mm. you know about that stuff mm. uh, yeah Manson I don't know I would say he's a doomsday cult that was a doomsday cult because they were trying to bring about a race war weren't they and they wanted uh they wanted to rule over the the people of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was run by hippies. So, yeah, yeah then, I would say that was a doomsday cult because he was trying to bring about the end of a civilization or a way of life in order to instigate a new way of life where they were the head of it. Okay. Um, just trying to think who else I've got. Well, who uh, to, to today's episode, then? Yeah, Manson... Uh, Heaven's Gate is on here as and well. Heaven's Gate, how, what do you call that? That's UFO cult. The UFO cult, yeah. yeah. Um, Branch Davidians, David Koresh and the Waco Siege. And now, what's, see, and with what's them, that then, really? See, we're going to get on to that yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, obviously. But I don't know where I would put them. Maybe polygamist cult, because he had a lot of wives. I'm not going to put them in a doomsday cult, because the outcome of the Waco Siege is not what the Branch Davidians wanted, even though that's what is portrayed in the media. Mm. That's not what they intended to happen. That was, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of people, that was what the FBI wanted. Mm. You know, in Red State, like John Goodman's character. Yeah. He gets the call from the head, doesn't he? And he's like, don't leave anyone alive. Mm. You know, there can be no witnesses to this. Mm. So, yeah, the FBI and stuff, they just fucked up at Ruby Ridge as well and killed some people with that, uh, with the shootout that happened at Ruby Ridge, which was another fuck-up. So they were looking to redeem themselves. And they saw the Branch Davidians as a good chance to do that. Mm. And then they couldn't, you know, tried not to leave any survivors. Obviously, there was a few. I think there was about eight people survived the Waco siege. Mm. But it's fucked. It's so fucked. That was such a balls up. All those people. It's fucking horrible. Really shitty. So, yeah, I wouldn't put that in a doomsday cult. Uh, just trying to think who else I've got in here. Yeah. Um, Order of the Solar Temple. I'm not sure. They're quite like... 
shrouded in mystery order of the solar temple were there to do with the uh order of the solar temple there to do with the knights templar really yeah they're like really mysterious Mm. i haven't really got a great deal of information on them because they're so shady but that was in uh, france switzerland and canada i think so they're coming up on the episode and there was a mass mass murder and suicide so, so, as well. so what's the oldest one you got then oh god I don't know I couldn't tell you they're so, not like they're not like massively old and most know? of the cults though uh, 1900s upwards yeah. yeah oh yeah definitely yeah I've got I none, suppose the ones before none from maybe. like back in the day back in the day I suppose probably Manson is maybe the oldest oh okay because you're going to think though cults have been going forever yeah since the dawning of humankind. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm saying Manson. Manson's probably the oldest I've got on here. But if you're going to think about kind of like Mormonism and well, when you said all the Templar, kind of like the Knights Templar. I know you're not saying obviously it's the Knights Templar, but um, yeah, they're, ba- they're old, based more, on very stuff and, like that. Um, I would say like Mormonism. And the offshoots of Mormonism, like Latter-day Saints, mm. I don't know, so, yeah, Brethren, yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, loads of offshoots of Mormonism and stuff like that, and it kind of go off and do But they're all, like, polygamist cults. So it'll be a, a guy with loads of wives, you know. And, like, David Koresh in the Branch Davidians, he had the wives of everybody else and no one else was allowed to shag because he was Charlie's going to be father, like in well, the, father in the kids. Charlie would have been in the free love. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Apparently Charlie Manson had a massive dong and that's why he kept all the women happy but it was mostly women in his in his cult. Yeah, ah, who would mind you, I suppose, if you're off your tits on acid you're not really going to be taking much notice here but like, he's insane. Who would want that fucking going away at him? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't want him banging away. He's fucking nuts. Waking up? What's that behind me? It's Charlie oh, Manson. Fucking guy. Charlie Manson with his bloody crack eyes. Fuck's sake. And sakes. his big dong. Yeah. Riding away. Okay, so uh, in modern English, a cult is a social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or by its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. And the word cult is often accompanied by negative connotations, like we were kind of saying earlier. Um, So beginning in the 1930s, cults became the object of sociological study in the context of religious behaviour. And there are also subcategories which most cults can be divided into. So doomsday cult uh, is used to describe groups that believe in apocalypticism and millenarianism, and it can also be used to refer both to groups that predict disasters and groups that attempt to bring them about. Um, so it's put like Om Shinriki, I was in that for definite, mm. uh, which we'll be doing on the next episode because they're insane and it's just so much info. Um, political cult is a cult with a primary interest in political action and ideology and groups which have been termed political cults usually advocate a far right or a far left agenda. Polygamist cults, uh, they usually teach and practice polygamy, marriage between more than two people, most often polygyny, which is one man having multiple wives. And that's the primary point of that cult? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because like we were... So it's just a playboy we watching, cult? Uh, we, were, we were watching that programme earlier, weren't we? We watched a bit of it on YouTube, and they were kind of saying... Um, a 
apparently they believe that they will have in the next life they will have a world for each wife so they will be the so they're the man actually doing of it for all the women these, they're doing it to have all these worlds in the afterlife so if they've got 20 wives they'll have oh, 20 20 worlds in the afterlife so is it for the women i suppose they could say it's for the women of course they're just fine it to themselves but and that's what they say to the women wouldn't they it's another power thing isn't it yeah, you know they've got power in this life over all the women they're sticking their even, dicks in women it's even just... in the next life they're going to be the the leader of all these worlds yeah. of all these wives you know mm. so they've got all these worlds to go with them as well so yes yeah, the thing is though the whole thing with swinging and that sort of thing when you're actually really into someone and you love someone yeah you're not kind of more than likely you're not going to want to do that sort of stuff or you're going to be jealous especially women women do seem to have the quite a lot of jealousy I, I, I suppose men quite get jealous as well I suppose yeah. um, I think women display it more yeah. outwardly um, men being men keep it all inside um, but, but you can have like surely but I guess unless they when they're coerced into doing it here's the rules yeah. I've got 16 ladies you're going to be number 17 yeah do you like it no okay yeah and so you find someone that does I guess yeah okay uh, racist cult that doesn't sound like the, the, the worst cult ever I've got to say it's <laughs> like a dude that has, has, has sex with Could you, have you got women who would do it with multiple men have you got no. a, a, a reverse polygamy cult? no not that I've seen Why I haven't not? noticed anything women like that. out there Start yeah. your own polygamy cult. Oh my god! No, don't do that. Don't do that. We're not. Highly we're not in. Yeah, do not, not instigate cult. Please do. Cult not leaders and oh. the cult of fandom of us as a podcast. Need a bloody that. disclaimer for disclaimer. you. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind me and my BBC rants. There's <laughs> <laughs> you over though. there instigating cults. I'm just thinking though, like for the ladies. Come Fucking on, ladies, hell. ladies. Oh. You know, it's ladies' night, and they want to. Start Get a, a load cork. Get a cult. <laughs> oh my god. Uh racist cults, obviously most notably Ku Klux Klan, uh, which arose in the American South after the Civil War, as yeah. well as C- didn't, didn't think of them as a cult for some reason. Yeah, well, well it's a good, I suppose they're an organisation you think of. It's a group yeah, but that's where Scientology that, gets you as well, isn't ah. it? But yeah, like How by, you can hide with a different word. Yeah, we'll see that with Scientology yeah. as well later on. Um, That's going to be a can... manifesto for these things like Scientology. Yeah. Just keep you interrupting. No, Using right. different words yeah. to hide the true meaning. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. Just baffle you. I think by the end of, of this, I'm going to start my own because I'm just going to be so knowledgeable in all this. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, but like by definition, Ku Klux Klan are a, a social group defined by its unusual religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs yeah of course so yeah and also secret Aryan cults in Germany and Austria which strongly influenced Nazis Uh, terrorist cults such as Al-Qaeda the People's Mujahideen of Iran and the Shining Path guerrilla movement that was active in Peru in the 1980s and the 90s and the Tamil Tigers have all been labelled as terrorist cults Um, so yeah um, members, people that join join cults, uh, for the most part, cult members are average people, are just normal, everyday, nothing really too special. 
but research done in the past two decades shows that most have low self-esteem. So that means they're going to be easier to break down and then build back up with the idea that the cult is the environment that they're looking for. According to other research, females make up 70% of cult members across the world. And, you know, I know we'll probably get into these a bit more, but on a quick note, why would you think that is? Uh, are women, is it the case of a, a woman who's been with someone and they've. I'd left say them emotionally, yeah. And they're looking for a father figure? Because you're generally going to find it's men leading these cults, like, you know. Yeah, I would say, um, like, but yeah, maybe women. all this sort of thing. And women kind of emotionally need it more because men, you know what we're fucking like as men. Yeah, not that, and I we think, can not be very emotional at all. And, yeah, and I think women as well tend to get uh, over-emotional, well, not over-emotional, but uh, pin too much on what society thinks they should be doing. You know, like yeah. getting married, you having kids. You have to have kids. the 3.2 you, children you in the house and the husband. You don't look like this woman on Instagram, you know. You don't look like this woman who's in the in the magazine. And they're You lost. haven't had like, a child. You haven't got married yet, you know. You've got what you're doing. You're 30. You've not got married. It's almost and, the same. So I think women... I'm not saying women only have the pressure because men have pressure on them as well through society. But I think women have probably more. And also, say, a woman's been married and been divorced you know maybe she's finding it harder to find someone else therefore she ends up in a cult without meaning to seems like looking for religion yeah, yeah. and it, uh, for men the, the, just very just on the off point just quickly saying this mm. uh, for us it's uh, the wealth as, and status that's the pressure that men mm. have you know um it's almost then a little bit like domestic abuse and domestic relationships where the woman hates the man she's with doesn't want to be with him he beats her up blah 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 blah. Mm. but she won't leave him and st- st- like stays with him because she kind of still needs that even though she knows that's not right however and so yeah it's unfortunately one of these things which would have just rolled into the human psyche of the man and the woman eventually and the different personality traits like we're saying and the different strengths of personalities of different people yeah it would have just eventually rolled in this would have, even if you just you stopped every cult in the world now and took it all out of every person's mind brainwashed them have a men in black fucking white light yeah it would still happen again it would yeah, just definitely. roll into it because you got uh, uh, that sort of person it's that's speaking of looking for, and then you got the other person yeah. that wants to dominate and be the uh, the aggressor. The yeah, it's within human nature that there would yeah. always be someone who, just always who will trample on other people to get to the top. Absolutely. So yeah, it's always going to come around, isn't it? Even if you did kind of like take it out of the zeitgeist of of society, you know, still it's going it to it's going to happen come again. Out naturally. Yeah. It's a very natural flowing thing. Weird. Yeah. And if it weren't called cults, whatever word it had been called, that would have, you know... Yeah. It would still get the label it does and things. But that's so interesting when you said, like, the KKK. I didn't yeah. think of that as a cult. Mm. And I'm going to probably look at things now and be like, that's kind of a bit like a cult. Yeah, Like I said, definitely. the whole Jimmy Savile thing last time, I said, like, it's almost like he's, a, yeah. he's got this... He's this cult leader... With all these minions. Well, that's what I'm, I was saying earlier, you know, as, as well likening cult leaders to Jimmy Savile you know because they prey on people they see the need they see the vulnerability and they will tell them whatever they feel like they want to hear 
you know, obviously Jim Jones and the People's Temple as well, you know, started off really fucking good. They were doing so much good for people, you know, sorting out people's electricity bills and like giving, making sure they had everything they needed, making sure they were housed, just for people in the neighbourhood of the People's Temple, you know, not even really having to be members. They were just going around doing really nice stuff for people. And, you know, he's fucking roped all these people in and then they all end up in fucking Guyana in the middle of the jungle dead insane fucked insane absolutely fucked you know it's going to be quite interesting as well quite awful obviously when we get onto that because there's quite a lot of audio for that isn't there well like I say though like, if you're the individual that starts to go up with the meaning to do good and then just yeah you start to just get hungry with yeah more power and you start to get that liking of everyone looking up to you and it just it is your ego gets boosted and then mm. all of a sudden someone comes to defy that or take it away from you. Yeah, and, and Jim, you have to take actions. Jim and at Jones that point, was you've off also his got, tits as well, weren't he, quite a lot of the time. Well, well without, without habits, even stepping like, booze or drugs into it, Yeah, just the human being and having that. But then if you've got a couple of people quite high up underneath you who have violent tendencies, even if you didn't have a violent tendency, they're going to say to you, well, look, yeah. why don't you fucking just take him out? Yeah. And, and then you go... I can do that. You can do that. We can do that here. Really? Boom. There yeah. we go. The beginning of the end. Yeah. It's like a movie unfolding. Yeah. All of this. Everything we're saying, the whole cult thing, the whole person that does it, the person that goes on to do it, what happens, follow on. It's a natural progression of the mind being egotistical Yeah. and all of these different things and uh, someone wanting a place to be in life and looking for something... And no, none of these individuals themselves having a ha- happiness and harmony in their lives before they started going on this journey mm. and creating this clusterfuck. Yeah. Fucking hell! I know. On you're this gonna note, be, you're going to be like that when we get to the L. Ron Hubbard story for Scientology as well, because it's just crazy. You know, he was always thought that he was way above everybody else. You know, and he was just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to start a religion. Look at it today, you know. When you hear the whole thing, it's when I was doing the notes, I was like, I can't even believe this shit. This is insane. Like the whole story of his life is it's, just like, what the fuck? The, the whole Donald but he's Trump such a, thing. He's, he is like Trump as well because he's such a prick. He's such a twat for his whole he life. Is right, he's like, whatever. What a fucking knob. Yeah. And and to be honest, you know, I, you may be uh, pro-Trump. Listen to this podcast. I'm not sure. That's absolutely fine. You do everything you want. Go and put your, head, you and put your head in the oven if you're a Trump you supporter. Can, you can do anything you want, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Anything you want. But you are very is, wrong though, for doing that, though. He, he is almost like We are not Trump way. supporters. Oh, right. I figured that out. <laughs> he, he is um, almost that sort of figure. With what's happened recently with the, uh, the Capitol House and all that stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Crazy. Have you? You've never watched the American Horror Story cult one, have you? No, no, no. See, they've got a cult series. I think it was series. That's American Horror Story. Yeah, maybe series eight. I could be wrong, but that was. It was someone like Trump, and it was all about the votes in America, you know, and the election and all oh, that really? kind of. And it it was a cult. Yeah, the dude started a cult in that. Okay. So yeah, it's really interesting. Do go and watch that if you haven't seen it. It's on uh, Netflix. Right. But so, yeah, you should look at American Horror Story. You never watch that. Like, watch it. It's so good. This is a conversation to have all fair, love. 
Okay, so Dr. Stanley H. Kath, who's a psychoanalyst and a psychology professor at Tufts University, has treated more than 60 former cult members over the course of his career and has noticed that most had experienced religion at some point in their life before the cult and rejected it. This sounds surprising as most cults claim to be religious to some degree or another, but Dr. Kath asserts that this is a sign of something deeper. Many of those who join cults are intelligent young people from sheltered environments. Many have a history of failing, failing to achieve intimacy, of blaming others for their failures and constantly striving for perfectionist goals, which all make them prime targets for cult recruitment. Cults successfully isolate members from their former non-cult lives, convincing them that they are superior to those not in the cult. And this us-versus-them mentality ultimately leads to cult members isolating themselves socially from friends and family, replacing those relationships with new ones inside the cult. Cult leaders convince the members to separate themselves from society, give up personal possessions and sometimes huge sums of money, and to achieve this they are usually uh, quite good at mind control, using public humiliation, self-incrimination, brainwashing and paranoia as tools of control within the cult. Cult members often spend years overcoming the emotional damage incurred during their time spent in a cult. Dr John G. Clark Jr. is a Harvard psychiatry professor and the co-founder of a non-profit group which treats former members and their families. He specifically mentions that the symptoms of temporal lobe epilepsy are similar to those seen or reported as resulted from cult conversion, increased irritability, loss of libido or altered sexual interest, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mystical states, humorlessness and sobriety and heightened paranoia. Humorlessness. Yeah. Just don't have any jokes Just anymore. not. Can you imagine that? Just being broken, just being like... Because this is not... They've taken them apart so much, there's no personality left but in you. Is... You are there to serve the cult. Yeah. And serve that man. You don't find anything funny anymore because you're not... You haven't been allowed to. You have no time to laugh. You have no humour in your life. You probably don't listen to music. You probably don't watch films. Do you know so, what I mean? So, don't... like, all Scientologists are going to be all quite serious. No coffee, so no if... smoking, no drinking. So I want to get a couple of Scientologists in a room, walk by, like, walk up, walk past them with a really long ladder and a couple of paint buckets and a, and a, a, a couple of cats underneath my feet go, whoa, 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 fall <laughs> over the paint bucket, goes in my head, ah, yeah, and I turn around, the, skins. Oh, the God. cats jump on my face, sort of scratch my face, <laughs> I fall out the window of the ladder but hold on to it and it's hilarious they wouldn't laugh I doubt it I doubt they'd find, <laughs> I doubt they find anything you're never going to get me then this is what I'll be like ah look at that do you know what when look I was doing the paint bucket head when I was doing the, the um, Scientology notes it made me think of They Live oh, that's well, what yeah, that's what it perfect, reminds maybe, me of if you've that never seen that movie where they've got uh, Roddy breaks into the building the yeah, dinner looks. doesn't he and they're all sitting around at the tables that's like the Scientology things hmm but when these people are looking for something, they probably didn't want to look for something to think, oh, hopefully I can be completely brainwashed, have no humour left, no, have no money, have not nothing what, for myself. You know, you know obviously I mean? that's they're not what they're getting that they into. Want. Of course, that's what I'm saying. So it's, and if they knew this, 
what's going to happen to yeah them. they do, probably would they? wouldn't do it but i suppose it's it's hard to see that because when you're looking for something and oh, yeah, you're vulnerable yeah, yeah. you know you'll just pick out the bits that that are appropriate to you and go yeah this is the guy that i'm i'm, I'm gonna not saying these people can look into the future and just to find out what their destiny is going to be. No, I'm be. sure no I'm one just wants saying, that. No, no, of course. But I'm what? saying, though, is it's just so funny, though, isn't it? The irony, I think, really, of what they're looking for and what they're going to yeah. get down the road. And it's and awful, awful to think, like, how long do they need to then spend with people like this guy, you know, and, and kind of break through that again to then go and relearn to be an actual person? Mm. You know, how long does that take? Mm. That's fucking crazy. You know, what what if you've been in a cult for like 15 years, 20 years, well, and you come out, out, like of it out of it and you're like... You're going to have post... Yeah, stress. definitely. It's going to be like fucked up. Such a terrible experience, you know, and obviously you do see that with people because I've been watching quite a lot of documentaries and stuff. You do see that. Um, there was a Mormon documentary I was watching that was quite well, interesting. Back into civilization, and it was this Over guy. This guy had been in the cult since he was born. I think he was about eighteen, nineteen. And he decided to leave, and one of his mates went with him as well. But he still had family in the cult, so he kept going back and trying to get his sister and his mum. I think it was to leave. Well, his sister left. And she was kind of sitting with him and they were having a Pepsi and she was but like, oh, didn't. fucking hell. But the mum had stayed there. And then the daughter ended up going back again. And but then she then got ev- caught up all that, didn't it? But, well, then eventually, a little while later, they both left. Right. So he managed to get them out of it. But, yeah, it was crazy, you know. Obviously, she went back because her mum was probably there. It's like the sacrament. But people will go back, you know. And mm. No matter how badly they've been treated, um, we'll get to one on the next episode as well. Uh, there's one there and people kept leaving and going back this guy was doing like uh, amateur surgery in the middle of the Canadian woods while he was pissed you know and they're leaving and going back knowing that it could be them next that he decides there's something wrong with them going to start cutting you open and fucking it's insane honestly just and you feel sorry for these individuals yeah it's fucking heartbreaking just have nothing in life and just yeah it's crazy it go is. towards these. It's mad. It really is. Bonkers. Again, I want to say levitate towards. Uh, gravitate. Every time I say levitate. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, okay. Amazing. Well, I, I think we've covered, like, everything there. Yeah. Individually. Yeah. Both sides. What's going on. Words of what could happen. Uh, yeah. That's the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's See it. See you later. Oh, just fucking set my notes on fire shall I (laughs) (laughs) don't do that so who are you going to start with right so we're going to start off with uh, these are going to be like the least offensive so what's number one and the first one is realism uh, country, so some some of these some of these probably not going to have heard of some of them they're kind of like under the radar Okay. kind of cults so can you say off the top of your head I know obviously it's in your notes you need to say a description but what country uh, you head? if not don't worry off the top of my head uh, 70s 70s to 80s okay. it was founded in 1970 so uh, fra- founded in France okay bonjour uh, bon, yeah bonjour uh, so yeah realism also known as realianism is a UFO-centred religion that was founded in 1970s France by Claude Vorillon, uh, now known as Rael. 
Realism teaches that an extraterrestrial species known as the Elohim created humanity using their advanced technology. An atheistic religion, it believes the Elohim have been mistaken for gods. It states that throughout history, the Elohim have created 40, uh, 40 of them and human hybrids who have served as prophets preparing humanity for news about their ultimate origins. Among those listed as prophets are the Buddha, Jesus of Nazareth and Muhammad, with Rael himself being the 40th and final prophet. I believe that Jesus was an alien. Yeah? Definitely. Aliens. Any more to back up that up? Or you, you just... Yeah, there's been loads of fucking cave paintings found with like shit coming from the sky and fucking like, and everyone with Jesus it, in the sky, you big know what, light. Though, it you know, it of, sounds like Jesus is an alien. It does kind of make sense if you think about it. Yeah, like, 100%. Like, especially like when they saw sort of stuff and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Then to, to be, because that was years ahead of anyone even thinking of certain things. So yeah. Ezekiel's wheel. Yeah. Which was like this massive wheel they saw in the sky. Yeah. Um, and that was in the history books, you know. Yeah, loads of shit like that. <sighs> Fucking all that crap about the burning <laughs> bush and, like, you know, there's loads of... Oh, well, wasn't it, I actually think the burning bush thing, I think it's what was actually being burned, uh, the, uh, the, the, the smell from it, the fumes from it, mm. was giving them hallucinations. Oh, okay. That could be what that was. Yeah. I'm not saying anything. I don't know. What do I know? Yeah. And I've seen loads of other stuff, like uh, there was a Hindu... I can't remember it exactly. I was watching it on Ancient Aliens. Um, there was a Hindu, something happened in the Hindu religion. Uh, and it was like they were saying this guy came from the sky, one of their gods came from the sky on a chariot of fire and all this stuff. And they actually found out in India, there was a place out in the desert where the sand had been turned to glass. And mm. they were saying the only thing that could do this is something with the uh, ferocity of like a nuclear bomb. And this was where this event had supposed to have happened. And so it's like, uh, there's so much stuff. Uh, like, I'm not saying I believe in Jesus because I definitely don't. But I do think if Jesus existed, he was an alien. You've heard it here, ladies <gasps> and gentlemen. Are you gonna, you're going to hear I'm loads gonna of this shit printed. because we're going to do a um, conspiracy episode as well, aren't, they, aren't we? Where I come yeah. at you with my conspiracy theories and you can go true or false. Okay, <laughs> oh yeah. I, to- I'm totally, I totally believe... I can't wait to get into that one. I totally believe in other things in the planet. Yeah. Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified objects in general. Yeah. I totally believe in it. I totally, I totally believe in another species of... of thing which has thought control and movement and you know yeah uh exists absolutely yeah. and i wouldn't be surprised if we uh started getting a bit more accustomed to it. maybe yeah. this whole thing maybe it's not a massive virus maybe they're just getting us used mm. to the fact that the aliens can come down so they don't freak us all out so they don't all commit suicide and not religions completely destroyed oh my god do you think we're like we're everyone's got lockdowns? We all have to stay in, so they'll because slowly start letting the aliens, the aliens come and like, yeah. look out your look, window and see an alien walking down, down the maybe street. Maybe they've asked. Maybe that's oh, why we've got lockdowns. Fuck. They've asked. They've said like you need to move the people off the streets, mm. and we'll come down. God, what if we wake up tomorrow? It's like Independence Day. It's a bloody great fucking yeah. UFO over the house. I don't want to say this You're stuff. I'll get probably, sucked up. There's going to be someone listening who's already got anxiety about the world. I'm going to I'm clinging onto my table leg. I'm not getting sucked up in a tractor beam tomorrow. Fuck off. <laughs> 
too much crocheting to be doing. Right. Uh, lost me bloody place now. That's all right. That's a little to have a little tangent. There's going to be loads of tangents. Don't worry, I'm prepared. Uh, Realists believe that since the first Hiroshima bomb of 1945, humanity has entered an age of apocalypse in which it is threatening itself with nuclear annihilation. It argues that humanity must find a way of harnessing new scientific and technological development for peaceful ends, and that once this has been achieved, the Elohim will return to Earth to share their technology with humanity and usher in a utopia. So you think aliens are going to come back now? Yeah. Once, once after Hiroshima bomb, they say, well, look, come on, this is not yeah, good. Yeah, like, we're going to... You're doing terrible things. Yeah, we need to stop doing nuclear stuff, then they're going to come down and show well, us, well, show us the good shit. I was telling you about the old, uh, the aliens that came down to the school and telepathically in Africa and telepathically oh, we told... Oh, we were speaking about that, weren't we? Telepathically yesterday. told the kids that mankind and yeah. humans and technology is going to be very, very bad. Well, yeah, it's true. We were idiots with shit like that. Like, we're fucking dickheads. The only thing we do is develop weapons, really. Uh, why you it's make fucking guns? stupid. You know, there's people so starving people. to why death. There's people, people homeless. You we're know. making more people homeless through fucking wars that aren't needed. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, ah. weapons is such a massive business. Weapons and pharmaceuticals are the biggest businesses in this fucking world. And, and wars, just, wars, oh, wars are ridiculous. Absolutely so annoying. ridiculous and pathetic thing in the world. Mm. It really is. Why? So what? We're here. We've got this gift of of life. Yeah. With our brains, which is incredible, what the human yeah. mind can do in the body. What are you going to do? Incredible. With it? What are you going to do? Let's think. Let's put it all together so we can destroy other people. Yeah. Going to blow what? some people up. What? Great. That seems really silly. If you look at it from so, if I was an alien looking at planet Earth, I'd be like, "Fuck be them, like, do a swerve." I'll be like, "Okay, well, <laughs> you destroy yourself a bit, and the the people who are right, hopefully, they'll still be there. We we'll come down then and sort them out." Yeah. Give my hand jobs, whatever. <laughs> so the ultimate goal is it to get a hand job off an alien? Post a little post-apocalyptic <laughs> hand job from an alien. Wow! Didn't know you was going to say that today, did you? No. Go on, then. you Carry should on. make make that the title of your memoirs. Well, the title of this episode. <laughs> right, go on, then. <laughs> my memoirs. Post- Fucking hell. <laughs> post post-apocalyptic hand, alien hand job. Yeah. There you go. That's a my t- post-apocalypse. Okay, we'll do yeah. that as a title. Yeah. You can still have it for your memoirs, though. Oh, I'll let yeah. you. Yeah. Um, right, okay. To this end, the Ray Aliens have been committed to building an embassy for the Elohim, incorporating a landing pad for their spaceship. Ray Aliens promote a liberal ethical system with a strong emphasis on sexual experimenta- experimentation. I'm well into this, this <gasps> cult, by the way. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> Engage in daily meditation and hope for physical immortality through human cloning. I don't know about that. Not sure about the cloning, but yeah, the rest of it's all right. right. (laughs) The symbol initially used to signify Raelism was a six-pointed star with a swastika in the centre. Rael stated that this was the symbol he originally saw on the hull of the LOM spaceship. Practitioners regard this as a symbol of infinity and also believe that the symbol helps to facilitate their telepathic connection with the Elohim and they typically wear a medallion of the symbol around their neck. In 1992, the Raelian movement altered their symbol, replacing the central swastika with a swirling shape. 
They explained that this was due to a request from the LOM in order to help in negotiations with Israel for the building of the extraterrestrial embassy, although the country continued to deny the request. Uh, Realism involves a series of monthly meetings, initiations and meditation rituals. The main ritual is the transmission of the cellular plan, in which a Raelian guide places their hands on another individual's head, through which the guide is believed to receive the individual's cellular code and then telepathically transmit it to the Elohim. Doing so denotes the initiate's formal recognition of the Elohim as the creators of humanity. The Raelian movement have established a range of projects through which to promote their ideology. In February 1997, they created CloneAid, a company devoted to human cloning, where individuals can bank a sample of their DNA with the group, which offers to then produce a single clone of the individual after they die. Another Raelian company, Ovulade, seeks to provide ovaries for individuals and couples who cannot biologically produce their own. An, initial, uh, an additional project was Insure a Clone, designed to clone organs for an individual in the event of organ failure and clone a pet, which would clone people's pets after they had passed. In 2000, the Raelians launched No Pedo, a group to combat paedophilia. <laughs> no Pedo! <laughs> In 2009, it launched its Adopt-A-Clitoris project to raise money to create a hospital in Africa to reverse damage caused by female genital mutilation. This doesn't seem like a bad car. Oh no, that's what I was saying to you. It's also established Clitoraid, an organisation whose mission was to oppose FGM, (laughs) uh, which is the female genital mutilation. Yeah. By the early 2010s, the group was claiming 60,000 members worldwide, though this is thought to be inflated. What's the section of experimentation? I don't know. Get the donkey in there. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't understand what that could be. With like with each other, I suppose. Like men men with men. Once you've done that, that's experiment over. Yeah. I don't know know what, what more there could be. I wonder if they do that thing. Have you seen that weird sex toy that you can get where you can impregnate yourself with eggs made of gelatin? I've not seen this. Have you seen this? It's an alien ovipositor. So you make the eggs out of gelatin and you get this thing, the ovipositor. You know, uh, it's like insects. Yeah, it's basically, you know what the queen lays the eggs through, the big long thing that comes off her. So basically, that's an ovipositor. Insects have them. You get the eggs put in you. And the eggs, you poke the eggs in. To the vagina. Well, you put it in the tube and then you put the tube inside yourself and then you squeeze the eggs out. So you've got eggs inside yourself and then you can either lay the eggs yourself or you can wait until they melt with your body heat. You know and way they... too much <laughs> about this description. If it had been a title, you'd said, okay, in a picture you'd looked at, but you're really describing it. You have to be at 37.5 degrees Celsius to get optimum egg releasage. Oh, my God. I thought it was going to be well, you maybe know. they're watching ED porn, which again you, oh, you showed me. I showed me. you that. I scarred you with that, didn't I? Don't watch that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Warning: Do not watch ET porn. <laughs> no, strangeness podcast does not recommend. Do not what? watch that. Um, so yes, that so seemed okay, but like that. you said, you were going to do less to 
to more hardcore cults. So yeah, definitely. You know, that's, but yeah, I reckon that's a sexual experimentation anyway. Ivy mm. positors and I don't know bumming each other. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, right, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> oh God! Right, next we've got uh, the Congregation for the Light. Okay. Um, so the Congregation for the Light, or just the Light, has been around since the 1960s. However, its teachings originated in 19th century England. A married couple, the Wyeths, awoke from a shared dream and wrote down what they could remember. These writings became the basis for the Light's ideology. Uh, Fast forward to the 21st century and the Mysterious Society now has around 200 members in New York and an unknown number in Washington, D.C. and Atlanta. Quite small. Yeah. Um, This is quite... I'm quite suspicious of this one as well. I'm not sure what they're up to. I could start my own cult. Yeah. Should do it as an experiment. Could do, couldn't you? You know, members again. You know. Yeah. See if you can do it. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I have a think. Um, Okay. Uh, Every Thursday evening, the members gather at their leader's building to hear him preach. Tom Bayer, the current leader, stands in the middle of the room and reads from pieces of paper that have been handed down to him. There are no religious texts, texts, and under no circumstances are members allowed to take notes. The Light's first leader during the 1960s and 70s was Maurice Kate. He believed that after Doomsday took place, members would be reincarnated on a planet called Nay. They would be genderless and have no stomachs. Past Southern Baptist Joseph Denton, the next leader, attempted to ban TV and the internet. Uh, Bayer, who's the current leader, is a man in his late 70s and he became the leader after Denton's death in 2001. He believes he was once an Apache and does not think of the group as a cult, but rather a religion, despite ex-members highlighting its cult-like similarities. The Light's members believe that they are descended from a master Aryan race on Atlantis and that in a previous life we all lived on the moon. Karma also plays a big role and suffering from an illness is said to be the result of something bad the person did in a prior life. Most women are not allowed to attend higher education and those who do must do so in the New York area so as not to miss the weekly meetings. The only time of year that the members are allowed to go on vacation is August. Marriage is mostly between members, although a member is allowed to marry an outsider if they convert, and it's very common for the young women to have arranged marriages with older members. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, many of the male members take part in weapons training in order to prepare for Doomsday, and non-members of the light referred to as no-nots are perceived to be hazardous. Members are instructed to have minimal to no contact with no-nots. Children who are not indoctrinated until their teens are also told to stay away from non-member children, and children are not considered to be entirely human until the age of 13, and if a child dies before reaching that age, it is believed to be because they committed suicide in a past life. It's an interesting concept, that last little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> um, have they got a place, that they've got a, a, a village, a place, New York's a busy place. 
Uh, like, how are these kids well, going to stay away from yeah, other kids? I know. And if they're going to school... If it's such a small cult. It's because, yeah, because they've not, like with other places, other cults and stuff, they often have a compound, don't they? So they and, do all the schooling finance, for the kids. Because you have in, to have a lot of finances, which comes in from yeah. the members themselves or funds coming in from other people or wherever yeah. else, or any way you can make money, I guess, in a Yeah, so that one's quite a small one. So that is... So, yeah... That so really yeah, small, kids kids going to school and stuff, you know, and they're not going to be able members, to. That's got nothing. No, that's not like, for a lot of these. Like that first one we did, what was that? Sixty thousand members, you know. Mm. So two hundred. That's why it makes me a bit suspicious. It's kind of weird. It's so small, and they've got like that's a a weird ideology to believe that we used to live on the moon and we're going to live in Atlantis and we're not going to have a stomach, but we're descended from an Aryan race. You know, and kids aren't aren't entirely human the until no, they're thirteen. No, it's like, things a bit weird. It's like, where's all this coming from? You know, it's such a well, mishmash. It's from dream, like Jesus. The, the, it's if, such you wrote, a, if you went through what you go when you have dreams and stuff, you know, mm, it's such, just such a crazy like mishmash of things. Like but, a lot of them, they continue on kind of a single path. But that one's like, oh, this idea and that idea. And, and I guess it's, like, I guess it's you get one person involved who who understands, and then they tell someone else they know, mm. and then it goes from there. Mm. See, I'm figuring out how to stop. Yeah, the it would here. just be people taking it's notes. Word down of, there. It's word of mouth, isn't it? Basically, and just you know, if you get a few people in, and they kind of go, oh, come with me, you know, come and listen to this guy, or like, mm. come and see this guy, mm. you know, and then they tell five people. And if you're a good actor. Yeah. And you've got the script down. Mm. Or scripture down. You could, uh, yeah, you could run with that. Yeah. And freestyle it really easily. Yeah. It's interesting. Taking yeah, it's not, it's not going to take a lot anyway if you're kind of like, no, if, if you're like, breaking again, these got those people sorts of down. People who are looking for it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now. And they're still going. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep, they're still going. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Re- <laughs> representing. <laughs> Just give a shout out there. Okay, so the Nawubian Nation. Uh, this was an American religious group founded and led by Dwight York, also known as Malachi Z. York. Brilliant. York began founding... Have a name from a kid from Children of the Corn. Excellent. I wanted to call Condon Malachi. I think that's Malachi a lovely is, name. It's just an evil kid from the Children of the Corn. Ah, it's not a lovely name. It's a nice name. I like it. Ah, evil. Ah. Is that the evil ginger one from Children of the Corn? Oh, no, no. no it's, it's the little, it's the little the, one. Dude with the dark hair, isn't yeah, it? And the really one. dark eyes. Yeah. Uh, York began founding black Muslim groups in New York in 1967. He changed his teachings and the names of his groups many times, incorporating concepts from Judaism, Christianity and many other esoteric beliefs. In the late 1980s, he abandoned the Muslim theology of his movement in favour of Kemetism, which also referred to as Egyptian neo-paganism. Uh, it's a revival of the ancient Egyptian religion and UFO religion as well. In 1991, he took his community to settle in upstate New York, and then they moved to Eatonton in Georgia, where his followers built an Egyptian-themed compound called Tama Ray and changed their name to the United Nawubian Nation of Moors. Where did they build the compound? Uh, Georgia. Okay. African, um, Egyptian-themed. 
Yeah. Big like lion. Yeah. It's an Egyptian UFO cult. Archaeology. It gets it gets bad, but so far, like Egyptian UFOs, that would be quite cool. I could go for that. Well, but it's it's going to get shitty. But the thing is that the Egyptians. That's kind of that anyway, isn't it? Yeah. And love and and cats being their gods. Maybe the aliens up there actually cats. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Space cats. So basically, we're in lockdown at the moment around the world because space cats are coming. Oh, I want that. (laughs) I want either space cats or Godzilla. That's what I want this year. Godzilla with space cats are riding them. Yep, okay. How about Godzilla and he breathes space cats? (laughs) When he comes around, he breathes fire, space cats come out in little UFOs, little cats. But they're obviously protected from the fire. Yeah? Yeah. I want that for this year. You've got it. Thanks. I'll make it happen. Nice. <laughs> I'm on the phone now. Give me one Godzilla stat. <laughs> I hope your phone's red. Yeah. Is it a red phone with a little light on? Yeah. Good. Okay. York was born in 1935 and he founded numerous es- esoteric or quasi-religious fraternal orders under various names during the 1970s and 80s. At first, along Suedo-Islamic lines, later moving to a loose Afrocentric ancient Egypt-themed, eclectically mixing ideas taken from black nationalism, cryptozoology, UFO religions, and popular conspiracy theories. Nice. So he's just scooping it all in there. During the 1980s, he was also active as a musician, as Dr. York, recording for Passion Records. York published some 450 booklets, dubbed Scrolls, under numerous pseudonyms. During the late 1990s, he styled himself a messianic founder-prophet of his movement, sometimes claiming divine status or extraterrestrial origin. York was arrested in May 2002 and in 2003 pleaded guilty to child sexual abuse after being indicted on 197 counts of child molestation, including charges of sex trafficking of minors across state lines, some as young as eight. Oh, so we're sort of going a bit bad. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, he's he's a prick. Yeah. In 2004, he was convicted and sentenced to 135 years in prison for the molestation and trafficking charges, as well as racketeering and financial reporting charges. York's case was reported as the largest prosecution for child molestation ever directed at a single person in the history of the United States, both in terms of victims and number of incidents. Wow. Tama Ray was sold in asset forfeiture and the new owners demolished the structures. With the revelation of York's conduct, most followers abandon the group, although some small factions do still exist. What a cunt. I know. Well, good. Glad. Yeah, definitely. Still He's got in, his fucking still comeuppance, still didn't he? Still alive in prison? Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a very good one, was it? No, at the beginning, it's kind of like, oh, UFOs, Egyptology, know, like, cryptozoology, oh. conspiracy theories. Sounds oh, all right. Getting sounds a bit all right for us. Take me Richie face. But, but no, yeah, but then it just fucking, went bad. He's a prick. But then, if anything, it could have been just a cover up for him to be able to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Travel. Yeah. For 
this trafficking yeah and get, get his of, hands on all know, the members kids if you are trafficking children obviously it's a fucking horrible thing there's gonna be a lot of fucking logistics involved yeah totally and people being paid off left right and centre yeah and you've got to procure those children as well as, so the yeah, members a, kids a, a, a they're huge, there it's a huge operation doing mm. that not not fucking giving them person who does it props oh you're putting a lot of effort into your operation no, no fucking prick um, but yes uh so something for so having like a, a a thing going on, yeah, is almost like a a front. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're starting to go into the bad, the dark side slightly. Uh, there, aren't we? Yeah, we Dicking are. Dicking our toe in the dark we water. We are. Yes, we're getting into there now. Okay. Uh, so next up, we've got Heaven's Gate. I'll tell you, I'll tell you after fucking last time's episode with that. Yeah. With Jimmy. I don't want to say it like a name. Jimmy with Jimmy's yeah. sample was just after that. I think I'm, I can take quite a lot on now. I think actually. Okay, well these aren't too bad in in that respect. Yeah. But next time when we get on to when we get on to Children of God and so there's going to be some of that. Yeah, mm, definitely because yeah. that gets weird. Okay. Uh, okay, so Heaven's Gate. I'm sure most people know Heaven's Gate and the. There's mass suicide in their Nikes. Well, no, I don't, I don't think anyone is going to, but you, um, as, as cults no, go, No, but it's it one of, like, there. when you it's say one, cult... you say, like, yeah, no, because the picture... I think some aspect of their cult does come to mind, you Well, know? a lot of those photographs have been circulating, where you see yeah. a load of people, uh, obviously there's things on their heads, so you can't see their dead bodies, yeah. but they're all wearing fresh Nike trainers. Yeah. And um, I think that's probably something which people might have seen. Yeah. So you might not know what this is about, but um, no, yeah. but yeah, I think that um, that kind of image is is quite common, isn't it? You know, and it's quite it's a thing that's that, been seen, yeah, yeah. In the world of cults, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Heaven's Gate—that was an American UFO cult based near San Diego in California. It was founded in 1974 and led by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Uh, the son of a Presbyterian minister and a former soldier, Marshall Applewhite, began his foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s after being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas over an alleged relationship with one of his male students. He met Bonnie Nettles, a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in theosophy and biblical prophecy in March 1972. According to Applewhite's writings, the two met in a hospital where she worked while he was visiting a sick friend. It had been rumoured to be a psychiatric hospital, but Nettles was substituting for another nurse working in the nursery with premature babies. Applewhite later recalled that he felt as though he had known Nettles for a long time and concluded that they had met in a previous life. She told him their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials, persuading him that he had a divine assignment. Applewhite and Nettles pondered the life of St Francis of Assisi and read works by authors including Helena Blavatsky. They kept a King James Bible with them and studied passages from the New Testament. Applewhite also read science fiction, including work by Arthur C. Clarke. By June the 19th, Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs had solidified into a basic outline. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfil biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, a thinly veiled reference to Applewhite. They also concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the Book of Revelation 
and occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identity, often referring to themselves as the Two or the UFO Two. They believed they would be killed and then restored to life and transported onto a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities. Uh, So basically, they were believing that Bonnie Nettles was the reincarnation of God and Marshall Applewhite was the reincarnation of Jesus. So this is like a Christianity UFO cult. They thought they were the reincarnations yeah. of God and Jesus, and that they were gonna they were gonna die. Were they doing it with each other? No. Oh, okay. There's like there's. I was gonna say God and Jesus weren't dying with each other. Were there's they? no sex in this this cult. Uh, there is no sex. Not, never. Oh. No, so, there's no. <laughs> there's some castration. Oh, brilliant. There's some dodgy Mexican castration, but there's no sex. So yeah, that's basically what they're believing that they're both reincarnations and they're gonna. But but they believe in aliens. Yeah. So they they are under kind of what you're saying there, mm. thinking that Jesus and God are alien yeah. manifestations or spokespersons yeah. of the aliens or. Yeah. Okay, so they are now, but. That's a big, big order to take on. I oh, know. Take on that. Uh, well, who's going to be... Well, I'll be God. Yeah. You be Jesus. Um, right, okay. Well, there's a lot of stuff written about conscious. Okay, we better have a quick look for that. Oh, okay, New Testament, take a couple of those bits. All right, cool, that's cool. It just seems just like a tall order to take on. Yeah, definitely. Just be someone new. Just yeah. be someone... Just make up a name. Yeah. Don't be God. Yeah. That's fucking... That's, that's crazy, hefty. isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's a, a lot, lot of responsibility. People. people know about God. Yeah. Get, make it up, you know. Yeah. But, okay, interesting. Okay, so eventually Applewhite and Nettles resolved to contact extraterrestrials and they sought like-minded followers. They published adverts for meetings where they recruited disciples whom they called the crew. At the events, they purported to represent beings from another planet, the next level, who sought participants for an experiment. They stated that those who agreed to participate would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. In 1975, during a group meeting with 80 people, they shared their simultaneous revelation that they had been told they were the two witnesses written into the Bible's story at the end of time. Later in 1975, the crew assembled at a hotel in Waldport, Oregon. After selling all worldly possessions and saying farewell to loved ones, the group vanished from the hotel and the public eye. That night, on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported that the group had disappeared in one of the first national reports on the developing religious group. A score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. In reality, Applewhite and Nettles had arranged for the group to go underground. From that point, Doe and T, as the two now called themselves, led the nearly 100-member crew across the country, sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. They lived a life of abstinence, with no drinking, drugs, smoking or sexual contact, and that includes masturbation, and limited food supplies. Evading detection by the authorities and media enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine of helping members of the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level above human. Uh, 
The crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the United States in destitution, proclaiming the gospel of higher-level metamorphosis, the deceit of humans by false god spirits, envelopment with sunlight for meditative healing, and the divinity of the UFO too. Throughout the late 70s and early 80s, as their belief system developed, uh, the membership grew. In 1985, Nettles passed away due to liver cancer, and Applewhite revised the doctrine, saying that Nettles had already passed to the next level, and they didn't have enough time to continue cleansing their bodies for the crossover. So, kind of Bonnie Nettles kind of like kept Applewhite in check. Right. Uh, it gets a bit crazy Cause now because so that she had the dream and yeah. said to him. So he must have been like, who was he? He was just a dude. He He's yeah. They just met in a hospital. Like Applewhite, he got in trouble in his kind of earlier life. He was married. He had a wife and he had a couple of kids as well. Uh, but he got in trouble a couple of times because he was a teacher at university. So he got in trouble for having relationships with with students, homosexual relationships with students. Um, so yeah, he ended up meeting Bonnie Nettles and then just kind of left his wife and his kids and just went with this. So he must have been. Uh, what age was he when? Do you know roughly? Uh, I, I think it was quite quite 40s. a way on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably about 40s. Because that's like me now, I, yeah. not, I, I, I think about life lots. And I think, you know, you do when you get sort of a little bit older. Yeah. He must have been, because he's almost like he is one of these people where you say, levitates. Yeah. See what I said, levitate again? Yeah. Towards the coals. Um, so almost he was doing that. He was maybe not knowing that he wanted something, but he might have been just, just sort of think about life and everything else. Oh, is this what I wanted to be? You know, people realise that they're not happy. And well, he was obviously living... society's told them to be. He was living some kind of lie, wasn't he? If he was married and he had a couple of kids, you know, and he's having secret homosexual relationships, he's obviously got... He's you know, not happy. Not... So he was looking for something, she gave him something, and he went, yeah, cool, go for it. If I, it's, it's, is it getting people at the right place at the right time? Yeah. It's I weird, think that's what it, it is. But then yeah, she's told like, him stuff. Then they both went on as equals, though. She yeah. wasn't saying that. But you said that she keeps him in check. But she, she, it's really weird. That's yeah, a weird, weird relationship. Kind of like, are they business partners, friends? They're not he lovers. He kind of like, it kind of goes a bit nuts now, you know. And now he's kind of on his own. Uh, obviously, they didn't know ne- uh, Bonnie was going to die. So now she's died, you know. And they're all supposed to go together. Was the plan? You know, they're waiting for the sign. That would tell them to go and, they and, be, and be beamed onto the spaceship. Oh, they, they just thought they the were going. They thought they were just going to go onto the spaceship, and that's actually going to happen. Well, they're waiting for the sign. Yeah, it wasn't suicide. Was never a, a thing hmm. in the cult, you hmm. know. Until now, Bonnie's dead. So now she's dead. It's kind of fucked up all the plans that they had, where they were telling the members that well, they're he, all going to go together because they're waiting for the sign. Well, she's already gone, you know. So now he's got to kind of revise his bullshit. And because he wants to save face, you know, he's got to make these people follow him. And maybe he's feeling like suicide is the only way out. You know, she's gone. He's got nothing left to rely well, on. To, well, it's trying to get on. Obviously, to, he's she's already on the spaceship. Off, he's fucked we need to off get his, on the spaceship really quickly. He's fucked his wife his off, you know, his kids and all that kind of shit. He's kind of got nothing left. So, like, suicide would be an option for him. But because he is trying to save face with all the members, you know, it just kind of snowballed and he took them all with him. 
obviously some wanted to go but um, I'll put the video up on the Facebook page as well because there's uh, videotapes they taped quite a lot of stuff um, and there is tapes of the members kind of doing their final exit statements as he called them you know and saying that they're, they're ready to go some of them really want to go they really believe this shit and others do not want that you know they're, they're just in way over their head and they don't want to do that shit but they did so, it so how many went along with him to uh, do? I'll get to that oh, right, fine. I'm not, I'm, I thought you I'm I'm not, thought you'd nothing, through it no I'm nothing like finished <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so Applewhite's now saying that because Nettles has already passed to the next level, uh, they haven't got enough time to continue cleansing their bodies for the crossover. So he now said that their vehicles, which is their body, uh, would not survive the transition and that they would need to be abandoned before they could enter the next level. So uh, t- obviously things take a darker turn and suicide is now a possibility. Applewhite's kind of introducing the idea of that. They need to abandon their vehicles. Uh, and it says everyone was down with that at the time, you know, and said, yeah, that's fine, we'll do it. Mm. So in 1993 and 94, they posted newspaper adverts saying that they needed to release their vehicle in order to gain ascension into heaven, among other statements. And whereas previous attempts at recruitment had only brought in one or two members at a time, apparently this set of adverts gained them ten new members, all of which stayed till the very end in '97. So it's like ten people. And they were basically saying, "We're going to kill ourselves." Ten people went along with that and did it. Maybe it's a catchy poster. It must have been. Uh, in '94, they released a poster saying that the shedding of their human bodies may be necessary to reach the next level, and it's thought that this may have been an attempt at provoking the police force or government into a Waco-type situation. <coughs> Excuse me, possibly as there would have been less stigma attached to being gunned down rather than them committing suicide because they didn't didn't really want to do it themselves. They thought that would be an easier way out is to get uh, kind of get the government to come in and go, oh, what are you doing? You know, why, why would the government gun them down? <clears throat> because Waco. Right. Uh, this poster gained them another seven members, and also in '94 they buy bought a book called Final Exit The Practicalities of Self-Deliverance and Assisted Dying for the Terminally Ill and they begin to prep for a mass suicide uh, In 95 they started a business building websites under the name Higher Source and apparently weren't very good at it by all accounts Should just start the poster designs uh, They did a website for was it Madonna or Madonna's Music Company or something Oh really? Yeah Hilarious um, they did quite a few. Like you're saying, like, they got members that stuck to the end just through an advert. Yeah. Poster. But we talked that time about the cannibal putting an advert. Yeah. Out. <clears throat> so yeah. Yeah. There's people out there that want willing that. to die. Yeah. Uh, Marshall Applewhite also decided to find out how far his members would go to follow his word, and he decided that castration should be a thing um, and he decided to castrate himself he didn't do it himself and he asked the male members to do the same and seven members including Applewhite went ahead with the operation is that chopping your nuts off? Uh, yeah so you don't bleed out? 
obviously. No, you cut the sac, don't you? Remove a testicle and then sew the sac back up. And so that's all your testosterone goes. You don't get uh, sexually aroused anymore physically. But trouble is castration. I know. um, I don't know pedophiles. I know. uh, uh, I've watched documentaries where we're talking about pedophiles and talking about chemical castration and stuff like that. So what's chemical castration? That's the same thing, but keeping the bollocks still there. Yeah, I'm not sure what they. Yeah, I'm not sure what they give give you. Because they would moan and they would still get sexually aroused if they're just normal castrated. Yeah. So that almost doesn't work. Almost defeats it. Yeah point of it okay and what, what, why are they doing that though why are they doing castration why, why is his plan on castration what's that I think it's they, to, because he, the intention was to purify themselves in order to reach the but next it's level literally like have no but it removes of, all so, thoughts but as I've just that. said it doesn't yeah what about the women though uh, so they would still have it I don't know it's not very well planned out no. is it you need me in there asking questions. Doesn't mention about the women. I need. I literally need to be sitting there with my cult leader and him going, right. So we're going to do this. And I'm going to put my hand up. And he'd be like, oh, now what? What happens then if I still get That's a boner? That's what I mean. Like, get a boner be... over Julie over there. Yeah. What happens if Julie bends over and I see a bum and I get a boner? <laughs> what happens then if you cast straight finger? I've just got no bollocks though. But I still get a boner. Yeah. It ain't me. I'll yeah. be asking all these questions. I know, that's why we would be rubbishing cults, because oh, yeah. we both asked too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in October 1996, members of T's clan began renting a large home, which they called the Monastery. And it was a 9,200 square feet mansion located in Rancho Santa Fe in California. <clears throat> Excuse me. They paid $7,000 a month in cash, for that and in the same month the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 Where members from? don't ask me and would pay out a million dollars per person oh, I have 100% guarantee you can get that in America I'm going to reenact this <gasps> hello uh, insurance company hi do you do alien insurance <clears throat> alien abduction uh, insurance hang on a moment this dude wants any insurance sell it to him alright yes we've just got a special one our alien insurance actually how much do you want well, it covers 50 members uh, against abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. So, so that if, goes cheap at the price. So they're thinking, <laughs> if they if, like, uh, insurance company, yep, uh, you know, I took the alien insurance out, yep, one of our members has been abducted, right, we're sending an investigator down, yep. have you got some proof about this? No, right. Well, I don't know if you can get your money. They see him coming, Do you know what I mean? I bet they're like, yeah, what sell it to that dude. Tell him it's a million dollars. Basically. Oh, I a million see... dollars per person. Oh, no, hang on. It probably is. They'd that's probably what they get. They'd probably five trillion to that person yeah, because they know it's not going to happen. Yes. Oh, my God. I can, see, I can see this is just a very full, flawed plan. This, yeah, whole, this totally. whole operation, since she's crooked it. Yeah. Applewhite's just there going, fumbling. Um... Or watch a movie and get some ideas from that, you know. So on March 19th to 20th, 1997, Marshall Applewhite taped himself in Doe's final exit, speaking of mass suicide and the only way to evacuate, as the only way to evacuate this earth. And we're going to listen to that now. This is March 19, 1997. And <clears throat> I'm Doe... Uh, some called our partnership T and Doe. That's not my name, but that's how I'm referred to on planet Earth at this time. 
I've been talking to my students that are sitting in front of me about <clears throat> talking to you. And let me say that our mission here at this time is about to come to a close in the next few days. <clears throat> we came from distant space and even what some might call somewhat of another dimension and we're about to return from whence we came and I say that when we say we came from distant space that we're talking about what your religious literature would call the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and we came for the express purpose to offer a doorway to the kingdom of God um, at the end of this civilization, the end of this age, the end of this millennium. And that's that, really. He, he kind of waffles on a bit there, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does go on, he does waffle. But it's quite hard uh, to pinpoint a certain point of all that waffle, which is valid for the audience. Yeah, know. definitely. But yeah, the whole thing's on, the on YouTube, if anyone does want to go and watch it, you know. Please let us know what it's like. Yeah, it's crazy. I watched a bit of it, obviously, because I was doing research and stuff, so it's got to get a background on this guy. So yeah, I was watching it. it was, I don't know, just bonkers, isn't it? So, yeah, the whole thing's on YouTube if you want to check that out. That's Doe's final exit, and that's what it is on there. Okay. Um, so, after asserting that a spacecraft was trailing the comet Hale-Bopp, um, and that this event would represent the closure to Heaven's Gate, Applewhite persuaded 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so their souls could board the supposed craft. Crazy. Yeah, the, the thing is, the comet was obviously the comet was going out in the sky was in the oh, sky yeah. at that point, yeah. but it was some guy that phoned up the coast to coast radio phone in thing, um, and he said that he'd been looking at the comet through a telescope, yeah. and he'd noticed that there was something in the tail of the comet. Right. Now he was uh, there was him and some other guy that was speculating it was a spacecraft, so that's what then kicked off Marshall Applewhite going right, this is it. I don't know what it was. was it's probably was just, just a rock, but he was like, "Now's my chance." He's you know, literally like just jumping on anything. To yeah, just, uh, he just oh, jumped that, on that's it. That's it. That's it. That's definitely it. Yeah. What was it? What was it in the tail? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think anyone really found out. I suppose it was just just, uh, just by, a bit it? of space rock or mm. something. Um. Okay. So Applewhite believed that after their deaths, the UFO would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which he described as being both physical and spiritual. Their preparations included each member videotaping a farewell message, and I'll link them up because they're on YouTube as well, so I'll stick them up on the Facebook page. Um, to kill themselves, members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed down with vodka. Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingest, ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts and black tracksuit trousers, brand new black and white Nike shoes and armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team. Each member had on their person a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. The $5 bill was for vagrancy fines while the members were out on jobs and the quarters were for phone calls. 
once a member was dead, a living member, because they did it in shifts, um, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it lay neatly within its own bed, with faces and torsos covered by a square of purple cloth for privacy. The identical clothing was used as a uniform for the mass suicide to represent unity, whilst the Nike decades were chosen because the group got a good deal on the shoes. The 39 people, uh, 21 women and 18 men, between the ages of 26 and 72, are believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, with remaining participants cleaning up after each prior group's death. The suicides occurred in groups of 15, 15 and 9 between March 22nd and March 26th. Among the dead was Thomas Nichols, brother of Nichelle Nichols, who's best known as Uhura in the Star Trek series, the original one. Um, Applewhite was the third to last to die and two people remained after him and were the only ones who would be found without bags over their heads and no purple cloth on their top half. Because no one could do it for them. Yeah. Before the last set of suicides, similar sets of packages were sent to numerous Heaven's Gate-affiliated or formerly affiliated individuals and at least one media outlet. The packages contained two VHS tapes, one with Doe's final exit and the other with the farewell messages of group followers. It also contained a letter stating that, among other things, we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them. One of the recipients was for former member Rio D'Angelo, who got an, a ride from his boss. I can't read my own writing, sorry. A ride from his boss to the Heaven's Gate home in Rancho Santa Fe. So he could verify the letter. He found a back door purposefully left open and used a video camera to record what he found. After leaving the house, D'Angelo made calls to the authorities, alerting them to his discovery. Uh, and you can see that video on YouTube as well, I think. The single deputy who first responded to the call entered through a side door, saw ten bodies and was nearly overcome by the pungent odour of the already decomposing bodies in the hot California spring. After a cursory search by two deputies, found no one alive, uh, both retreated until a search warrant could be procured and all 39 bodies were ultimately cremated. I didn't mean to laugh at the uh, at the cheap getting the cheap shoes. Got a good deal on the shoes. <clears throat> it just seems like oh, that's the only reason could have got cheap. Um, it seems uh, almost they were uh, uh, with the bodies almost uh, trying to be uh, uh, polite with the bodies and such, yeah. and uh, laying them properly to rest and having neat and stuff, and actually having almost like a sort of reverence, like something more to than just. The, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, on the same side, though. They're thinking they've got a nice neat for them to go up, I suppose. Yeah. So, he's thinking they commit suicide, like, leave your life here, that's it, you're you're one little life you got, Mm. you throw that away, and your soul and mind and everything else will be transported to a spaceship. Yeah, and you go and be be aliens. And do what? I don't know. This is the thing I, I get with all this shit. All this shit, everything, even the conspiracies, everything out there, all this fucking shit everybody says. All right, what's the end goal? Yeah, because there was never really. You never like, get that, to that. That was talk. Yak, yak, that yak, was yak. It what's the end them, bit? You know, what's that, the plan? The when end, are you going to be happy? The end goal with that was just to get on the spaceship. Then what? There was this never is, any. 
That's is what I'd like to say to it. So then they it'd be like, you, know, you they were fuck aliens. off out of it. You're not in my cult. You ask too many questions. Like, well, what's going to happen next then? And then what? And yeah. then what? I'd be like a really annoying five-year-old. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, the Order of the Solar Temple and the uh, International Chivalric Organisation of the Solar Tradition, or simply the Solar Temple, is a cult and religious sect that claims to be based upon the ideals of the Knights Templar, which was a Catholic military order founded in 1119. Mm. Uh, order of the Solar Temple was started by Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jure in 1984 in Geneva, Though some historians allege that the Solar Temple originates with French author Jacques Breyer, who established a sovereign order of the Solar Temple in 1952. Uh, the OTS is perhaps most notorious for being associated with a series of murders and mass suicides in 1994 and 95 that claimed several dozen lives in France, Switzerland and Canada. So the aims of the Order of the Solar Temple included establishing correct notions of authority and power in the world, assisting humanity through a great transition, preparing for the second coming of Christ as a solar God-King and furthering a unification of all Christian churches and Islam. The group reportedly drew some inspiration for its teachings from British occultist Alistair Crowley, who headed the Order of the Eastern Temple from 1923 until his death in 1947, and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which was a 19th century Rosicrucian order Crowley belonged to briefly. There were solar temple lodges in France and Quebec, as well as Austria, Switzerland and Martinique. The temple's activities were a mix of early Christian identity, UFO religion and New Age philosophy, using variously adapted Freemason rituals. Jurette was interested in attractive, wealthy and influential members and it was reputed that several affluent Europeans were members of the Solar Temple. Uh, in October 1994, Tony Dutois' infant son Emmanuel was killed at the group centre in Morin Heights, Quebec. The baby had been stabbed repeatedly with a wooden stake. It is believed that de Mambro ordered the murder because he identified the baby as the Antichrist described in the Bible. He believed the Antichrist had been born to prevent de Mambro from succeeding in his spiritual aim. Some time afterwards, de Mambro and 12 followers performed a ritual last supper. Subsequently, mass suicides and murders were committed at Chery and Salvan, two villages in western Switzerland, and also at Morin Heights, 15 Inner Circle members committed suicide with poison. 30 were killed by shooting or smothering, and eight others were killed by other means. In Switzerland, many of the victims were found in a secret underground chapel lined with mirrors and other items of Templar symbolism. The bodies were dressed in the Order's ceremonial robes and were in a circle, feet together, heads outward, most with plastic bags tied over their heads. They had each been shot in the head as well. Uh, there was evidence that many of the victims were drugged before they were shot, and other victims were found in three ski chalets. Several dead children were lying together. The tragedy was discovered when officers rushed to the sites to fight the fires that had been ignited by remote-controlled devices. Farewell letters left by the believers stated that they believed that they were leaving to escape the hypocrisies and oppression of this world. 
A mayor, a journalist, a civil servant and a sales manager were found among the dead in Switzerland. Records seized by the Quebec police showed that some members had personally donated over a million dollars to DeMambro. And another attempted mass suicide of the remaining members was thwarted in the late 1990s and all the suicide murders and attempts occurred around the dates of the equinoxes and the solstices in some relation to the beliefs of the group. Another mass death incident related to the OTS took place during the night between the 15th and the 16th of December 1995. On the 23rd of December, 16 bodies were discovered in a star formation in the Vercors Mountains of France. It was found later that two of them shot the others and then committed suicide by firearm and immolation, which is setting yourself on fire. On the morning of the 23rd of March 1997, five members of the OTS took their own lives in Saint-Casimir, Quebec. A small house erupted in flames, leaving behind five charred bodies for the police to pull from the rubble. Three teenagers, aged 13, 14 and 16, the children of one of the couples that died in the fire, were discovered in a shed behind the house, alive but heavily drugged. Michel Tabaknik, an internationally renowned Swiss musician and conductor, was arrested as a leader of the Solar Temple in the late 1990s. He was indicted for participation in a criminal organisation and murder. He came to trial in Grenoble, France during the spring of 2001 and was acquitted. French prosecutors appealed against the verdict and an appellate court ordered a second trial beginning on October 24, 2006 and he was again cleared less than two months later in December of the same year. Right, okay. You, it felt like you, there was so quick going through that one because it's yeah. straight into like, boom, death, death, murder, That's death. One, that, that one, there's not really you, okay. can any you summarize, information. Can you, you summarise that? Uh, uh, just from what you've just said, um, so it's what was the what was the cult as such? Uh, there's no like, there's no real massive reason to all those suicides and murders, I suppose that I could that I could find. Uh, obviously, that guy thought that the other dude's baby was the Antichrist, and that's why he ordered that child to be killed. That's insane. So, yeah, and, and then just, like, everyone decided they were going to either kill someone or kill themselves. It's, it's just, like, it's bonkers, you know. The whole thing of putting them in a star formation. That's yeah, that's real, like... Straight out of a fucking horror like, movie or nightmares. It's kind of like with the Freemasonry element, I suppose. Mm. You know, and I've, I don't really know that much about, like, Knights Templar and things like that. But, yeah, I think it's all quite, like, uh, it's quite symbolism-heavy. I've that seen, kind of stuff. You I've know. seen the. Um, I've been downstairs in the the chambers of the main location uh, for really? the Freemasons in London. Oh shit! I've been downstairs like I was employed to work there, mm-hmm. and I was like literally downstairs wow. like right, these big doors going. It's all like yeah, yeah. It's very very strange. Yeah, it's all kind of secrety, isn't it? So like, there's not much information about that one out there. But I just thought. It's worth a mention because it's so bizarre. I wonder if my dad's like, a cult member. A secret. Is your dad, dad in the Freemasons? He's in the Buffaloes. Mm. I've been for years. Tried to get me in. They tried to get me in when I was turned eighteen. Oh my and god! And I said I'm not interested. What do they do? Charities mainly. Oh okay. Give to uh, people. Okay. 
my granddad was very very big it was a big buffalo uh, yeah uh, a philanthropist and all this sort of stuff he's got plaques and things hmm. all this sort of stuff Oh, I'll show them to you yeah that would be cool hmm I don't know if that's a cult or not, though, but uh, it's a definitely an organisation. Yeah. But they were doing good. They, and, they yeah. st- and it's still a thing now, they still do good. Cool. Well, that's good. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. so that one is quite like, uh, it's a bit all over the place, but I just thought it was worth a mention because obviously it's so old and it's kind of recent ish. It's like the last 30 years or so. So, mm. But yeah, it's quite spooky as well, and like secret and mm. weird symbolism and. Mm. Wait, okay, cool. Yeah. This is a long episode going through all this. I know. There's loads. There's so many. Strap yourselves in, guys. Yeah. It's a long journey you're yeah, driving. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> We've still got quite a few to go as well. Okay. Uh, okay, next one. So, Nexium, which has kind of come out quite recently, this one. Okay. Uh, so, Nexium was an American sex trafficking cult that claimed to be a multi level marketing company. So, again, a front. Yeah. Uh, based in Clifton Park, New York, the gr- group claimed to offer personal and professional development seminars through its executive success programs of large group awareness training. The company has been widely described as a cult and was shown in court to have been a recruiting platform for a secret society called DOS, which is DOS, in which women were branded and sold into sexual slavery. I do mean like literally branded. In early 2018... Are they brainwashed then? Or is this against their will? I don't know. Right. Um, In early 2018, Nexium's founder, Keith Rainier, and his associate, actress Alison Mack, uh, from Smallville, were arrested and indicted on federal charges related to DOS, including sex trafficking. Weird that it's a woman as well that's involved in and, it. And, and she's a woman quite famous. In the Hollywood as well. entertainment world. You'd think she'd know better. And you think, why does she need to? Yeah. What, you've got Smallville was well you. successful. Well, it's yeah, not my sort of thing, but I know that it was quite a well, big. Well, she had an acting gig. Uh, yeah. For an actor, it's always good if you've got, a, especially TV shows. Yeah. Um, it's great, it's work. Yeah. It's like crazy so why do you need that to she would get involved in fucking sex trafficking. Do, like, do we know how she... Fuck? I remember seeing that on the page. Do we, know how, do we know how she got involved? Was she recruited? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll get in, but into because that. Possibly I can't remember. Her, My head's just full of Scientology. Like Tom Cruise, because of her stature, mm. she was probably then... Elevated oh, to, to some... To a higher yeah, position role, like, oh, respected it. role. Yeah, I like, fuck it, and, I'll go along with this. And had money. Yeah, totally. Like Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, before founding Nexium, Rainier uh, created Consumers Byline, a business venture that the New York Attorney General accused of having been a pyramid scheme. Rainier signed a consent order in 1996 in which he denied any wrongdoing but agreed to pay a $40,000 fine and to be permanently banned from promoting, offering or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme. In 1998, Rainier and Nancy Salzman founded Nexium, a personal development company offering executive success programmes and a range of techniques for self-improvement. Rainier claimed that the programme's main emphasis is to have people experience more joy in their lives. During Nexium seminars, students were expected to call Rainier and Salzman Vanguard and Prefect, respectively. 
The reasoning for this within the organisation was that Rainier was the leader of a philosophical movement and Saltzman his first student. Nexium's training is a trade secret subject to non-disclosure agreements but reportedly uses a technique the organisation calls rational inquiry to facilitate personal and professional development. In 2003, Nexium sued the Ross Institute alleging copyright infringement for publishing excerpts of content from its manual in three critical articles commissioned by cult investigator Rick Allen Ross and posted on his website. Ross posted a psychiatrist's assessment of Nexium's secret manual on his website, calling it expensive brainwashing. After actress Kristen Kruk become, became involved with Nexium in 2006, Saltzman and her daughter Lauren went to Vancouver, British Columbia, to recruit Kruk's Smallville co-star Alison Mack. The younger Saltzman, herself a junior Nexium leader, bonded with Mac and she became involved through Crec subsequently though Crec subsequently left Nexium. Mac became an enthusiastic, enthusiastic proselytizer for Nexium, persuading her parents to take courses, and after wrapping production on Smallville in 2011, moved to Clifton Park, New York, near Nexium's base. Nexium has been described as a pyramid scheme, a sex trafficking operation, a cult and a sex cult. In a 2010 Times Union article, former Nexium coaches characterised students as prey for Rainier's sexual or gambling-related proclivities. Kristen Keefe, a long-time partner of Rainier and mother of his child, left the group in 2014 and called Rainier dangerous, saying, all the worst things you know about Nexium are true. In 2014, Rainier founded the Nexium-affiliated news organisation, The Knife of Aristotle, later known as The Knife and The Knife Media. The Knife of Aristotle was subsequently described as a fake news website and a cult again. Starting with reports by investigative journalist Frank Parlato in June 2017 and bolstered by an October 2017 New York Times article, Details began to emerge about Dominus Obsequious Sororium, the secret sisterhood within Nexium, in which female members were allegedly called slaves, branded with the initials of Rainier and Mac, subjected to corporal punishment by their masters, and required to provide nude photos or other potentially da damaging information about themselves as collateral. Uh, law enforcement representatives have alleged that DOS members were also forced into sexual slavery. In March 2018, Rainier was arrested and indicted on charges relating to DOS, including sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy and conspiracy to commit forced labour. He was arrested in Mexico and held in custody in New York after appearing in federal court in Fort Worth, Texas. The indictment alleged that at least one woman was coerced into sex with Rainier, who forced DOS members to undergo the branding ritual. United States Attorney Richard Donoghue stated that Rainier created a secret society of women whom he had sex with and branded with his initials, coercing them with the threat of releasing their highly personal information and taking their assets. On April the 20th, 2018, Mac was arrested and indicted on similar charges to Rainier's. 
according to prosecutors, after she recruited women first into Nexium, then DOS, Mac coerced them into engaging in sexual activity with Rainier and performing menial tasks. Mac was further alleged to have been Nexium's second in command after Rainier. On April the 24th, Mac was released on $5 million bail pending trial and held under house arrest with her parents in California. Saltzman's house was raided shortly after Rainier's arrest and in late May, authorities seized two Nexium-owned properties near Albany. In April 2018, the New York Post reported that Nexium had moved to Brooklyn, New York and was being led by Claire Bronfman. On, the, on June the 12th, 2018, the Times Union reported that Nexium had suspended its operations due to extraordinary circumstances facing the company, and Bronfman was arrested on the 24th of July. She was charged with racketeering, and she was released to house arrest after signing a $100 million bail bond. Also arrested and charged with the same crime were Nexium President Nancy Saltzman, her daughter Lauren, and another Nexium employee, Kathy Russell. In March and April 2018, Nancy and Lauren Saltzman, Mac and Bronfman all pleaded guilty to the charges. Rainier's trial began on May 7, 2019, and on the 19th of June of the same year, he was convicted of racketeering and sex trafficking. In January 2020, a federal lawsuit was filed in New York, accusing Rainier and 14 associates of conducting illegal psychological experiments on members, and abusing them physically, emotionally and financially. While incarcerated, Rainier maintained his leadership role, regularly communicating with his followers by phone. Rainier instructed his followers to solicit the assistance of Alan Dershowitz, the attorney who successfully negotiated a non-prosecution agreement for Jeffrey Epstein. Rainier gave false names of the people he was calling to prison officials and call recipients used burner phones in an attempt to avoid detection. In one instance, Rainier instructed a follower to get scrutiny on the judge in his case, explaining that the judge needs to know he's being watched. Rainier was finally sentenced in October 2020, receiving a 120-year sentence and a fine of $1.75 million. Well, I was thinking earlier that a hundred million dollar bail was fucking huge. Yeah, I know. Like, wow, crazy, like serious stuff. Yeah. Was Epstein involved in any of this? Not that I know of, but. But very possible. If, if he's trafficking. If he's, yeah, he's, if in, he's, the, doing he's in the that, business of trafficking. And then he's asking to get the or, lawyer that worked for him, yeah. you know, then maybe, yeah, there's some or kind of. He's he was having some of the. They were doing basically trafficking. They're. they're, they're, they're they're they've the, got the transportation. They've That's got what a, they're doing. They've got to bump into Transport. each other somewhere along the oh, line. He surely. says, I need some girls, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. cool. Here you go. Great. Transport them to me. Yeah. Traffic them. So basically, this was just a huge fucking trafficking for sex. Yeah. Um, and, and there's going to be obviously a, a huge, massive. You know, there was money and stuff That's involved. That's what I'm saying. Huge, massive financial income from doing yeah, trafficking. Yeah, definitely. Human trafficking, obviously. Yeah. Insane. Mm. Insane. And that's literally really recent. Like, within the, the last couple of years, that's happened, you know, 2020. But why? Like, that actress, again, though, why yeah. did you get into that? It's bonkers, you know. And obviously, she's had quite a big hand in it, saying, like, she's thought to be second in command, you know, and she's recruiting people into it, knowing that that's what's going to happen. You've got to be that kind of person, haven't you? Just because you're on the telly, you don't necessarily mean you're a good person. 
I think we've proved that with last episode. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, she could just have been a fucking shit, couldn't she? Obviously was. Well, she's an actress on TV. She's pretending to be someone. Yeah. Um, that's insane. That's yeah. a really crazy one. And that is, there's nothing good there at all. No. They didn't start off good in any no, way. No, nothing. He's just a cunt, isn't he? He's just take, like just taking women specifically for everything that they've fucking got. So out there now, there's going to be women still with Brandon. Yeah. But yeah, because it was free. literal. It was literal branding. Like you would brand yeah, yeah, a, cow, a cow, they were burning them. So hopefully they're free, and but obviously not free from their branding. Free, yeah, every you know, time they see that branding, going to be there. Yeah, and that's it. We, I'm sure can, they'd probably, probably get something done, be able to get some surgery to get yeah, that yeah. skin grafted, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's fucked up, and it psychologically that would be so bad. Fucking hell! Mm. All right. Great. What's next? Uh, Going up, up the escalator. Yeah, of fucking we're shit. getting there. We're getting there. Um, so next is Branch Davidians, which is David Koresh and the Waco siege. So which this I've one's not of. like it's not bad like that. It's, I've just kind of done that one next because it's quite a big one as well, you know. But it's not. I don't think this one's bad. I think this one's quite sad, really, that all those people had to die. <clears throat> So, yes. So, yeah, Branch Davidians. Uh, Branch Davidians, or the General Association of Branch Davidians Seventh Day Adventists. Some of these that come up, when you say their names, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking, that's a pretty cool name. And some of them are like, that's a shit name. That's a shit name. What's it called? Which one? Branch Davidians? That's shit, damn shit. Doesn't sound good. It doesn't flow off your tongue, does it? I don't know. I think it's all right. Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the religious sect which was founded in 1955 by Benjamin Roden they're an offshoot of the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists established by Victor Hotef in 1935 uh, Hotef was a Bulgarian immigrant and a Seventh-day Adventist and he wrote a series of tracks which were fit- titled The Shepherd's Rod Tracks? Uh, tracts T-R-A-C-T-S Writings uh, okay. tracks, I thought you were tracks. Was like, yeah. He's banging out some tracks. Ah, throwing down some shapes over his fat beats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the tracts called for the reform of the Seventh day Adventist church. In 1935, after his ideas were rejected by Adventist leaders, Hotef and his followers settled on a tract of land on the outskirts of Waco, Texas, where they built a compound called the Mar- Mount Carmel Center. And they began preparing for the second coming. <clears throat> Excuse me. After Hotef's death in 1955, his wife Florence became the leader of the Davidians. That same year, Roden, a former follower of Hotef who called himself the Branch, called for Davidians to come to Mount Carmel to hear his message. This was the beginning of the group that would be popularly known as the General Association of Davidian Seventh day Adventists. In 1957, Florence Hotef sold the old, old Mount Carmel Centre and purchased, purchased 951 acres near Elk, Texas, 13 miles north of Waco, naming the property New Mount Carmel Centre. After the failure of Florence's prophecy of apocalyptic events on or near April the 22nd, 1959, she dissolved the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists 
1962 and sold all but 77.86 acres of the new Mount Carmel property. Rodin took possession of New Mount Carmel in 1962 and began efforts to purchase the remaining 77 acres. In 1973, New Mount Carmel was sold to the Rodins and from this point on was known simply as Mount Carmel. <clears throat> on the death of Rodin in 1978, his wife Lois became the next branch Davidian prophet at the compound. In 1981, a young man named Vernon Howell, who's later known as David Koresh, came to Mount Carmel to study biblical prophecy under Lois Roden. Uh, Vernon Howell was born in Texas in 1959 to 14-year-old single mother Bonnie Sue Clark. 14? Yeah, and father Bobby Wayne Howell. How old was the father? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Uh, I don't think I found out. Uh, That was legal in Texas at that time. You're joking? No. Legal, uh, legal age of marriage was 14. What, what, what was the legal age of sex then? 14? Yeah. That's insane. Okay. Uh, before Vernon was born, his father met another teenage girl and abandoned Bonnie Sue. He never met his father and his mother began living with a violent alcoholic. In 1963, his mother left her boyfriend and left Vernon in the care of his grandmother, returning when he was seven after marrying a carpenter named Roy Haldeman. When he was 19 years old, he had an illegal sexual relationship with a 15-year-old girl uh, who became pregnant. I don't know if that was from out of state, though, maybe. He claimed to have become a born-again Christian and joined his mother's church, the Seventh-day Adventists. There, Howe became infatuated with the pastor's daughter, and while praying for guidance, when he opened his eyes, he saw the Bible open at a passage that stated, "'None shall want for a mate.' which he took as a sign from God. He approached the pastor and told him that God wanted him to have his daughter for a wife. The pastor threw him out, and when he continued with his pursuit, he was expelled from the congregation. In 1981, Hal moves to Waco and joins the Branch Davidians, where he played the guitar and sang in church services at the Mount Carmel Centre. In 1983, Hal began claiming the gift of prophecy, and he also began a sexual relationship with the leader, Lois Roden, who at that time was 67 years old. He later claimed that God wanted him to father a child with her and that he would be the chosen one. Lois allowed Howe to begin teaching his own message called the Serpent's Root, which caused a controversy in the group. Lois Roden's son George intended to be the group's next leader and considered Howe to be an interloper. When Howell announced that God had instructed him to marry Rachel Jones, things calmed down for a short while. So that's a woman in the congregation. Mm. In the ensuing power struggle, George Roden claimed to have the support of the majority of the cult, forcing Howell and his group off the property at gunpoint, and Howell and around 25 followers set up camp at Palestine, Texas, 90 miles from Waco, where they lived in buses and tents for the next two years. During this time, Howe recruited new followers from California, the United Kingdom, Israel and Australia. That same year, he travelled to Israel where he claimed he had a vision from God that he was the modern-day Cyrus, which is the founder of the first Persian Empire. When Lois died in 1986, the exiled Branch Davidians wondered if they would be able to return to Mount Carmel, and by late 1987, George Roden's support was in steep decline. To regain it, he challenged Howe to a contest to raise the dead. 
going so far as to dig up a corpse to demonstrate his spiritual supremacy. How <laughs> went? Yeah. How went to the authorities to file charges against Roden for the illegal exhumation, but was told he would need proof, such as a photograph. How returned to Mount Carmel with several armed followers attempting to get the proof needed to charge Roden, but Roden discovered them and a gunfight broke out. When the sheriff arrived, Roden had already suffered a minor gunshot wound and was pinned down behind a tree. As a result of the incident, Howell and his followers were charged with attempted murder. At the trial, Howell explained about the criminal disturbance of the corpse. His followers were acquitted and a mistrial was declared in Howell's case. In 1989, Roden murdered Wayman Dale Adair with an axe blow to the skull after Adair said that he believed he was the true messiah. Roden was judged insane and confined to a psychiatric hospital at Big Spring, Texas. Since Roden owed thousands of dollars in unpaid taxes on the Mount Carmel Centre, Howell and his followers were able to raise the money and reclaim the property. When they entered the property, they found that the tenants that had previously rented from Roden had left a meth lab behind, which Howell reported to the police and asked to have removed. Oh, I thought they were going to take it on. So no. Let's stop making meth. No, no, they're really not. Like David Koresh, yeah, he's got some whacked out ideas... But, like, they're really not that fucking bad. They're not as bad as they got made out to be at all. Like, and they're not as bad as fucking... Even that Nexit one's much worse than they were, you know. But uh, I think David Koresh got massively vilified in the media. You know, well, you got made out to be Waco such siege. a terrible that person. That just sounds like a, sounds like a, uh, a standoff type thing, anyway. Yeah, it's, totally. It, 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 obviously it is. You know, yeah. But, yeah, it was just fucking... You know, they're not that fucking bad. He's not that bad of a guy, really. He's just had some fucked up ideas. Mm. Sure, yeah. Surely most of these cultists have leaders have a weird ideology. Well, yeah, yeah. Surely to get started in the first place. Well, uh, well, not necessarily. Well, to them it isn't, but... Mm. Okay. Uh, okay, so, yeah. Uh, on May the 15th, 1990, Howe filed a petition in California State Superior Court to legally change his name to David Koresh, and his petition was granted. So Koresh is the biblical name of Cyrus the Great, who we spoke about earlier, who thought he was in reincarnation of, and David symbolised a lineage directly back to King David, from whom the new Messiah would descend. Uh, Koresh was alleged to have been involved in multiple incidents of physical and sexual abuse of children. His doctrine of the House of David led to marriages with both married and single women in the Branch Davidians, and he imposed a law of celibacy on all the other men in the group. His doctrine was based on a revelation that Koresh had, which involved the procreation of 24 children by chosen women in the community. These 24 children were to serve as the ruling elders over the millennium after the return of Christ. The women chosen did include at least one underage girl, but marriage at 14 with parental consent was legal in Texas at the time, like I was saying earlier. So, so long as the parents were like, yeah, it's all right, you could do it. Uh, that's changed now, but I think that was only quite recent. If we've got any listeners in Texas who know, maybe they can let us know. But I think that was quite recently changed. Um, A six-month investigation of sexual abuse allegations by the Texas Child Protective Services failed to turn up any evidence. 
In addition to the sexual abuse and misconduct claims, Koresh and his followers were suspected of stockpiling illegal weapons. In May 1992, the Chief Deputy of the McLennan County Sheriff's Department called the ATF to notify them that his office had been contacted by a UPS representative concerned about a report regarding a package which had broken open on delivery to the Branch Davidian compound, revealing firearms, inert grenade casings and black powder. Koresh and his followers did have weapons, as they made money buying and selling weapons at gun shows, but it was all legal and above board. Uh, they did have around 200 guns on the premises at a time, but that could be considered as inventory given their business rather than stockpiling. On June the 9th, the ATF opened a formal investigation and a week later it was classified as sensitive. On July 30th, ATF agents spoke with the Branch Davidians gun dealer who tried to get them to speak to Koresh on the phone. Koresh offered to let the ATF inspect the compound weapons and paperwork, but the ATF agents declined to speak to him. The ATF began surveillance from a house across the road from the compound several months before the siege actually began and their cover was noticeably poor. Apparently they were like supposed to be college students, had like brand new cars and stuff and they were about Yeah, I was gonna say about thirty five years old. They were fucking just ridiculous. And I think the branch Davidians even phoned up like the local colleges and stuff, like asking you know, trying to find out if they were registered there and like they couldn't find any record of them or anything. Right. Uh, they also sent in an undercover agent, Robert Rodriguez, not not the film man, I don't think. The director. Yeah. Whose real identity Koresh knew, but he chose not to reveal until the day of the raid. The ATF obtained a search warrant on the suspicion that the Davidians were modifying guns to have a legal fire capability. Apparently David Koresh had this thing called a hellfire trigger that you can put on guns, it makes them like louder and it makes them fire a bit faster, but it was nothing like it's nothing illegal, you know. It's, mm. it's all above board. Um, they also stated on the search warrant the allegations of child abuse despite the fact that that's not even the ATF's department. Um, the McLennan County Sheriff was notified in May and June 1993 of two cases of inert grenades, black gunpowder, 90 pounds of powdered aluminium and 30 to 40 cardboard tubes. Furthermore, the Sheriff noticed another shipment of 60 AR-15s and M16 magazines which they suspected in the use of converting machine guns. The ATF obtained search and arrest warrants for Koresh and specific followers on weapons charges and the warrant commanded a search on or before the 28th of February 1993 between 6am and 10pm. The ATF made a claim that Koresh was possibly operating a meth lab and the ATF requested assistance from the DEA citing a drug connection. Even this though, was unwarranted though. Even right? though he's had the meth lab taken he out, take he out. asked them to take but it away. But they're using it as an excuse. Yeah. Why are they so heavily scared of this? Because they're so armed. Yeah. It's a, a militia almost. Yeah. They t- you'll see and like, it's like the we FBI need to stop this in, up as soon as tanks, possible. Fucking all sorts of I, shit. I can, well, like I, can I, say, I can understand that, but why are they, why are they being so armed? Well, they're just fucked up on this Ruby Ridge thing that had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like this. Uh, that was an eleven-day siege that happened in ninety-two. 
uh, began on August the 21st and deputies of the US Marshal Service went to apprehend and arrest this guy, Randy Weaver. He failed to appear on firearms charges. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was given three conflicting court dates apparently for his court appearance and he was suspecting that there was a conspiracy against him. Mm-hmm. So he didn't turn up at court. Mm-hmm. So he refused to surrender when these guys went along but he had family in there. So they ended up having this massive shootout, the police and this guy. Um, a US Marshal was killed. They killed this guy's 14-year-old son, his dog and his wife. All in this fucking, just this mess that happened up there. Mm. Uh, so the FBI and ATF were accused of wrongdoing and like they'd been questioned about their conduct and their policy already on that. Mm. So that had just happened. So then they've been called into this. So they're just like, they just went in and just wanted to put a stop to it you know they were going to take him out obviously David Koresh was kind of getting quite a lot of media coverage and stuff they wanted to be seen to be it's just a, to it's be a, doing their job you know and they wanted that out of the way even though he's not he was just an opportunity for them you know he wasn't really fucking doing anything yeah he's got some whacked out ideas about like marriage and having kids and shit but those kids were were okay, you know, he wasn't fiddling with the kids, you know, they weren't stockpiling weapons, they used to go and trade at gun shows all legally and fucking... It looks to the police, though, like it's starting to form a clusterfuck. Yeah. A real combination of bad elements that could put together, especially a group of people with an, uh, an idea with fucking weapons. Very yeah, armed. but they're not. That he's not saying that he's going to do anything with those yeah, weapons. Yeah. You know, they're just trading them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they've still got them though. It's still like I can see from the other side. Like that's not good. Even in Texas, that's not good. Well, what about other people that that are trading weapons though? Yeah, but I mean the amount though isn't it sure. It was that a lot. Of, see, I don't know. I don't think it was a lot. You know, a couple of hundred things or guns or. You know. I do know an arms dealer. Yeah. But he does um, he does very old fashioned. Yeah. But he goes to Texas and all over the place. Goes around the yeah. world buying and selling guns. I don't think in the uh, out of like all the stuff that I've watched and and what people have been saying about it. I don't think it's like a massive amount. Do you know what I mean? It's not a it's not an apocalypse amount mm. of guns mm. and weapons that they've actually got mm. in there. Mm. And, you know, he's offered them already to go in there and look at them. He offered the ATF to come and check everything out, the papers, you know, where they've all come from. He's offered to come and let them check the goods. Mm. And they refused to talk to him. So what the fuck's that all about? You know, surely if you wanted to know what was going on, you would go in there and you would investigate that. You wouldn't refuse. So no one did that? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, so although the original request had been refused, uh, the commander of the Special Forces Detachment questioned the request and the ATF were only given medical and communications training and equipment. That was when they'd requested the, the help from the DEA. Uh, they'd, they'd kind of gone, no, we're not, you know, you've not got enough evidence that there's a drug connection, so we're not, we'll give you like some training mm-hmm. and a bit of equipment, but we're not coming in with you because mm-hmm. we don't believe that there is drugs going on there you've got no evidence okay um the atf attempted to execute their search warrant on sunday february 28th 93 but any attempt at surprise was lost when a news reporter who'd been tipped off about the raid arrived at the compound early after asking directions from a postman that happened to be koresh's brother-in-law 
There was an ensuing shootout with the first shot thought to have come from the ATF dog handlers who had been sent in to deal with the compound's dogs. And it just skewed from there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, four ATF agents and six Branch Davidians were killed, including one man who'd left the compound to go to work that day. Uh, he returned home and he tried to climb the fence to get back in because he couldn't get back in the front. He was shot seven times and killed and he was left where he died on the fence, apparently being eaten by wild dogs after a couple of days. Uh, the ATF eventually ran out of ammo as they weren't prepared for raiding something that big. You know, the ATF were used to just going and raiding houses and stuff, so they never really came along with, like... So they ran out of, of ammo? They ran out of ammo, and they called a ceasefire. Uh, due to the amount of casualties and the general shitty handling of the situation, the FBI moved in, and eventually almost 900 law enforcement officers surrounded the compound, and a 51-day siege began. Uh, during the siege, the FBI shone bright stadium lights through the windows of the compound, played Nancy Sinatra, These Boots Are Made For Walking, at top volume, and a recording of rabbits being slaughtered for hours at a time. Koresh announced he had received word from God and was writing his message on the seven seals and that he would come out when he'd finished. But the FBI were impatient and unconvinced, so decided to end the siege. The approval was given to fire C5 gas into Mount Carmel just after 6am on April the 19th, 1993, and tanks were used to shoot the gas inside. The gas was in powder form and had been mixed with paint, paint thinners, uh, which makes it flammable. The FBI also used the tanks to pull parts of the compound walls down, making holes throughout the compound. About 12pm, after the compound had been gassed all morning and everywhere was coated in C5 powder, the FBI decided to fire tear gas in there. Uh, that's pyrotechnic, so when it goes in, it kind of creates a spark. Mm -hmm. um, and the spark created a massive fireball because everything is just covered in like paint thinners and fucking C5 powder right. where they've been firing so it in all day. Then. So they've fired that in. It's caused a massive fireball, and because the whole thing's just got holes in it where they've been fucking it up with the tank all day, yeah. the wind's blowing through it, so it's just blowing the fireball straight through. Right. Um, one police officer fully admitted on, docu on the documentary that they held back firefighters, apparently, um, as they feared for their safety. So one dude, like his policeman, was saying, we literally held the firemen back because they thought the Branch Davidians were going to shoot them. It's fucking bullshit. Uh, nine Davidians managed to escape and investigators later found 76 bodies inside the compound, including 25 children and Koresh. Wow. You look a bit teary there. Made me a bit sad. Mm. What, because of all the people that died? Mm. Yeah. That's a crazy one. That, 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 that just manifested into a fucking... Fuck up. Yeah, totally. Thing, like, like, but it started with just like an argument where then someone pulled a gun and two yeah, people basically having a. It's just bullshit. They were saying like, um, like that first shootout. They were saying obviously, uh, I did watch a really good documentary on it. I don't know where my little bit of paper's gone. Uh, I think it was called Rules. I've got, I've got so many bits of paper. I know there's so much paper. Uh, I think it was it's called like Recycling <gasps> Lab here. Oh no, my shredder's going to be working double time. Uh, that was it, Waco, The Rules of Engagement, the documentary on YouTube is really, is a good one. Um, 
But yeah, uh, they, but what, and they were saying like the first shot that was fired, you know, it was thought who, to be from the, the first shot? from the it was thought to be from one of the ATF agents or the dog handling. So, the dog handling because the, they were so unprepared for this. But shit. why didn't the crash people just be like? Why didn't the crash people be like? Let's not. Let's just not fought, return fire and just yeah. go. What's up? And put hands up. Yo 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 yo. That's what they should have done. Yes. Yeah, I suppose. Well, yes. yes, they should have been like, well, well we're not going to fire back. Fire back, that's starting, that's starting, that's starting what happens. That's the start but of the a, Yeah, but like, they called a ceasefire, you know, why did that's it have ridiculous, to, why though, did it have to ceasefire, escalate? We haven't got enough bullets. Why Hang did on, it have to escalate? A game of there. bullets can start again. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? A ceasefire without bullets. Hang on, hang on. Mm. We're trying to kill each other, but we're out. So it's not fair. Not fair. Well, yeah. Why did it need to escalate from there? You know. But I, I, I still, I, you know, I think they shouldn't have retaliated with the fire and been like, "Yeah, cool." Boom. I'm looking at it sensibly. But yeah, I think that one's probably one of the saddest. It ended in a very traumatic, or uh, well, not traumatic, very horrible yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. Thing. It just didn't need to. No, they didn't need to escalate into that. No, terrible situation. Yeah. yeah, totally. Mm. So, but but what was what was that as a cult? What were their main? What, why did they start? What was the going on? Well, that, Dave, just, David Koresh, out there in a Dave, line. David Koresh thought he was uh, a, not the reincarnation of God, but of a. Religious. A religious figure, God's messenger type thing. So he thought he was, he was going, going to, to take be the father. Good words on. He, he, he was, was going, going to try and do good. He was going to be the father of twenty-four children who would eventually be the prophets of the next generation after Christ had come back. And he would choose these. And that's it. He had twenty-four wives in the the compound, and he was fathering children, and no one else was allowed to. It was just him. So he was going to be the father of the of the children who were going to be the prophets who came after Christ right, and okay. come back. That sounds crazy. Okay, uh, now we're going to talk about uh, Manson family. Okay. Uh, so Manson family was a desert commune and cult led by Charles Manson that was active in California in the late 1960s and the early 1970s. Quite, uh, very quickly, sorry. sorry. Well, that's all right. Um, very, very, very well known. Out of all yeah, of the totally. cults going here, I guess we're going to have the Scientology coming next, mm-hmm. and Charlie as the big ones everyone knows about. Yeah, definitely. Charlie, especially because yeah. it's just it's it's it stems bigger with the fact that Polanski did what he did and evaded arrest for that. And yeah, do you know what I mean? There's, it's a there's whole, whole crossover thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's yeah, loads yeah. of different aspects to it. And that movie Tarantino did recently, uh, the last. Oh the yeah, um, yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. That that taking it a different way, but sort of looking at it and upon that, and I thought mm. it was really interesting just to bring in this kind of Charlie thing as a side thing in that. Have you, you know? ever seen the series called Aquarius with David Duchovny? No. That's really good. That's all about like David Duchovny's uh, part of the FBI. I think it is. It's quite a while since I last saw it, but he's kind of investigating Manson for different things. And there's a guy in there playing Manson, you know, and he goes out to the ranch, and there's all the women out there and shit. It's a really good series. That is, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, I know. But don't quote me on that. When that came out at the time, um, what's American Psycho's writer? Uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Easton Ellis and Rob Zombie were getting together to do oh, a really? do a uh, Charlie Manson uh, series. Wow, that would have been good. Yeah, Rob Zombie directing, 
and Brett Easton Ellis was a good writer. Wow, that and that would have cool. actually worked because we're always saying, oh, you know, you want fucking Rob Zombie to actually work on someone else's material. Yeah, totally. Um, American because the one you're on about came was proposed as yeah. a driver. They they weren't picked up. Oh, that's a shame. But those two, yeah, Rob Zombie doing Charlie World. Yeah, that would be good because it's different. Well, that's, as what, well. that's the only role he no different... kind of knows, but he would have got, captured it perfectly. Yeah, that would have really worked. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I didn't yeah. know about that. Anyway, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to interrupt because uh, Charlie's just such a massive figure. Then you've got yeah, like Marilyn definitely. Manson. Yeah, taking, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Taking the name. It's just like, it's such a pop cultured thing. Yes, definitely. The group consisted of approximately 50 of his followers who lived an unconventional lifestyle with habitual use of hallucinogenic drugs such as LSD. Charles Manson, <coughs> excuse me, was born on November 12th, 1934 to 16-year-old Kathleen Manson Bower in Ohio and was first named No-Name Maddox. Um, within weeks, he was named Charles and his biological father appears to have been a local con artist but when Kathleen told him she was pregnant, he said he'd been called away on business and after several months, she realised he had no intention of ever returning. Just before Charles was born, Kathleen married William Eugene Manson, a labourer at a dry cleaning business. Kathleen often went on drinking binges with her brother Luther, leaving Charles with various babysitters. They divorced on the 30th of April 1937 after William alleged gross neglect of duty by Kathleen. Charles kept his last name of Manson. On August 1st, 1939, Kathleen and Luther were arrested for assault and robbery and sentenced to five and ten years, <coughs> excuse me, respectively, and Charles was sent to live with his aunt and uncle in West Virginia. Apparently his uncle was a real bastard to him as well. He did, he did, Charlie did, had no chance. Yeah, his, mum, his mum did not give a <coughs> fuck. <coughs> she was, she was kind of, yeah, she was leaving him in different places and fucking just whatever you know whoever she got involved with he had no chance Mm-mm. literally being a parent is that thing when you see kids and see how they react to things yeah uh, just just not having any concept of life and just, just a world being thrown into a world like that yeah <clears throat> no chance yeah so his mother was paroled in 1942. Bless him. I'm probably the only person to uh, say bless him to Charlie Manson. Yeah, it is quite sad, you know, if he had issues as well. Obviously, his mum was a big drinker and stuff, so if she was drinking when she was pregnant with him, if it yeah. fucked his brain up when he was in the womb, you know, yeah. and then to come out into this kind of life yeah, um, and get no help, you know, it's pretty shitty. So they moved to West Virginia for a time where his mother was arrested for theft but not convicted. Uh, They moved again to Indianapolis where Kathleen met and married an alcoholic named Lewis and Manson was constantly in trouble for truancy and petty theft and his mother just she couldn't be bothered with him. Uh, At the age of 13 he was placed in a school for boys, the Gibbolt School for Boys in Indiana and it was a school for male delinquents run by Catholic priests. So you can only imagine what happened there. It was a strict school and even the tiniest misdemeanour would incur a beating with a wooden paddle or a leather strap. Uh, Manson ran away from Gibbalt and returned to his mother but she took him back to the school straight away because she didn't want him at all. Uh, Ten months later he ran away to Indianapolis. In 1948, Manson robbed a grocery store and used the money to rent a room in Indianapolis's Skid Row and to buy some food. 
and for a time he tried to go straight <clears throat> excuse me and he got a job delivering messages for Western Union but he soon began to supplement his income with petty theft he was eventually caught and sent to Boys Town which was a juvenile facility in Omaha, Nebraska and after four days there he and fellow student Blackie Nielsen managed to get hold of a gun and stole a car committing two armed robberies on the way to Nielsen's uncle's house in Peoria, Illinois Nielsen's uncle was a professional thief and allegedly took the boys on as apprentices, but Manton was arrested two weeks later and sent to the strict Indiana Boys School. While he was there, Manton was allegedly raped by other boys at the encouragement of the staff and repeatedly beaten. He ran away a total of 18 times. <coughs> While he was there, he developed a self-defence technique that he later called the insane game. When he was physically unable to defend himself, he would screech, grimace and wave his hands in the air in an attempt to convince his aggressors that he was insane. He kept this up the whole time. The videos I've seen of him going, I've got you, you bop, yeah. bop, 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 like three stooges. Mm. So that was, so he, it's like something he kept on. That's so interesting, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I suppose he thought... At first, it's a way to defend himself, but I suppose maybe it just became a part of his actual character. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a tip of the almost. person that he It'd been is, something he wouldn't even know he was doing, I think. And I suppose if it if he found he could use that to manipulate people, mm -hmm. he would make it a tactic of of other stuff, you know. Mm. So yeah, I suppose it stands to sense. Mm. But yeah, he's always looked crazy, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, okay, lost my place again. Sorry. That's all right. He eventually escaped with two other boys in 1951 and they were arrested in Utah while robbing filling stations in stolen cars. For the federal crime of driving a stolen car across state lines, Manson was sent to Washington, D.C.'s National Training School for boys. On arrival, he was given aptitude tests, which determined that he was illiterate but had an above-average IQ of 109. I think average is about 100. 100, I think. About around 100. Uh, his caseworker deemed him aggressively antisocial. On a psychiatrist's recommendation, Manson was transferred to Natural Bridge Honor Camp, which was a minimum security institution. His aunt visited and told the administrators she would let him stay at her house and help him find work. Manson had a parole hearing scheduled for February 1952, but in January he was caught raping a boy at Knife Point. Uh, Manson was transferred to the Federal Reformatory in Petersburg, Virginia, and there he committed a further eight serious disciplinary offences, three involving homosexual acts. He was then moved to a maximum security reformatory at Chillicote, Ohio, where he was expected to remain until his release on his 21st birthday in November 1955. But good behaviour led to an early release and in May 1954 he went to live with his aunt and uncle. In January 1955, Manson married hospital waitress Rosalie Jean Willis. Around October, about three months after he and his pregnant wife arrived in Los Angeles in a car he'd stolen in Ohio, Manson was again charged with a federal crime for bringing the car over state lines. After a psychiatric evaluation, he was given five years probation. 
Manson's failure to appear at a Los Angeles hearing on an identical charge filed in Florida resulted in his arrest again in March 1956. His probation was revoked and he was sentenced to three years imprisonment at Terminal Island, San Pedro, California. While Manson was in prison, Rosalie gave birth to their son, Charles Manson Jr. And during his first year at Terminal Island, Manson received visits from both Rosalie and his mother, who were now living together in Los Angeles. In March 1957, when the visits from his wife stopped, his mother told him that she'd moved in with another man. In 1958, Manson and Rosalie divorced and Manson decided he was going to fulfil his dream of becoming a pimp because apparently that was all he'd ever wanted to be. Because when he's a kid, his mum's bloody prostitute. Yeah, so I suppose he sees that kind of thing and thinks, oh, that's where the money money is. That's probably where his male fucking role model was Mm. to look up to. Mm. Who's he got? Someone takes care of his mum because his mum's a prostitute. So he must think that's just the way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Same as the same as the raping of the boys. Mm. He had it done to him. Mm. And as we'll see in the interview later, because we've got a little clip of of an interview with yeah. him after all this has <clears throat> kind of gone down, you yeah. know. And he says, "Doesn't he? You've done whatever you wanted to me, so I, I can do whatever I want to you. You know, it doesn't. I don't have to have a reason for it. Yeah. You fuck me over, so I'm just going to do the same for you. It's just tit for tat kind of situation. It, it's." <clears throat> Um, it's that whole thing. If if you know, when you're younger you were bullied or something like that, then all of a sudden you're older now. You're not gonna take the shit. Yeah. Someone, when you're older, if someone says something to you, you say, "Excuse me." You know, you can do it any way you want, of course. Yeah. Violently or or a bit more effort, 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 effort. ethically. <laughs> yep. But like later on, when he is, as we get to, but I think most people know Charlie's story, but we will get to obviously, when he feels he's been done over by uh, the producer, he then sends people around there. So it's like, fucking do it to me, or mm. I'll fucking come back at you harder. Yeah. It's that mentality, and that's all he knows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So by November he was pimping a 16-year-old girl and was receiving additional support from a girl with wealthy parents. In September 1959 he pleaded guilty to trying to cash a forged cheque to which he received a 10-year suspended sentence and probation. Manson then took two women to New Mexico for the purposes of prostitution, resulting in him being held and questioned for violating the Mann Act, which is like an act to do with white slave trafficking. Um... Though he was released, Manson correctly suspected that the investigation hadn't ended. When he disappeared, violating his probation, a bench warrant was issued. An indictment for the violation of the Mann Act followed in April 1960. Following the arrest of one of the women for prostitution, Manson was arrested in June in Laredo, Texas, and was returned to Los Angeles and ordered to serve his 10-year sentence. During his time in prison, he took guitar lessons from the leader of the Barker Carpus gang, Alvin Creepy Carpus, and that was like a really big gang in the Depression era. So it would have been like 20s and 30s, I suppose, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, So yeah, he got guitar lessons from him and he wrote songs. And we're going to listen to some of that now. We've got a little clip of of one of Charlie's songs. My world is a sad world Often wondered if there's blame Such a fool 
It's not bad, but yeah, it isn't bad though. But like, it's it's interesting that because he, he's he's trying to find a creative way to express himself. Yeah, he has, you know, if he had managed to go the route of the musical way, he has so many stories. Mm. Like he could have probably he could innovatively come up with like some sort of new you know thing going on you yeah. can almost imagine just because like some blues thing but it's just from his perspective it's a shame yeah yeah I suppose he could have got something going it's not like terrible is it, so. it no not at all and that's if that's a starting it's like yeah. you're only going to get better and he if, as soon as he found, found his dark place he'd probably gone and made an album which would have been like fucking hell this album is just dark as shit but mm. like it's incredible you know yeah he has got some kind of talent absolutely like, Shame. Yeah. Uh, so in June 1966, Manson was sent for the second time to Terminal Island in preparation for early release. By the time of his release day on March 21st, 1967, he had spent more than half of his 32 years in prisons and other institutions. Telling the authorities that prison had become his home, he requested permission to stay because he was happy there. He was just writing songs. He was just playing his guitar. I you know, just a, wanted to stay in prison because he was used of, to it. A lot of people were quite happy to stay in prison. Yeah, They'd come out just and be like, well, I was going to do something and go back into prison. All I've his got buddies in prison. Yeah. yeah. Following his release, Manson moved to San Francisco and lived mostly by begging and playing guitar. He became acquainted with 23 year old Mary Brunner and soon moved in with her. According to a second-hand account, he overcame her resistance to his bringing other women in to live with them, and they were soon sharing the apartment with 18 other women. Manson established himself as a guru in San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury district, and he appeared to have borrowed his philosophy from the Process Church of the Final Judgment, whose members believed Satan would become reconciled with Christ and they would come together at the end of the world to judge humanity and teaching his followers that they were the reincarnations of the original Christians and the establishment were the Romans. Before the end of the summer, Manson and eight or nine of his followers piled into an old school bus. They journeyed to Washington State, then back through LA, Mexico and the American Southwest. Returning to LA, they lived in Topanga Canyon, Malibu and Venice. In 1967, Brunner became pregnant by Manson, and in 1968 she gave birth to a boy named Valentine Michael in a condemned house in Topanga County. Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys picked up two of Charlie's followers while they were hitchhiking in 1968 and took them back to his house for a few hours. He returned home in the early hours of the following morning after a recording session to find Manson in his driveway. When Wilson questioned him, Manson began kissing his feet. Inside the house, Wilson discovered another 12 strangers, mostly women. 
the number of women in Wilson's house doubled over the next few months and they cost him around $100,000, including a large medical bill for the treatment of gonorrhea and $21,000 for an uninsured car they borrowed and also studio time to record Charlie's songs. He also introduced him to some acquaintances, including Greg Jacobson, Terry Melcher and Rudy Altabelli, who owned a house he rented to Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Wilson moved out of his rented home when the lease expired and the landlord evicted the family. Manson established a base for the family at the Spawn Rent Ranch in August 1968. Female fem- family members did the chores around the ranch and occasionally had sex on Manson's orders with the 80-year-old blind ranch owner, George Spawn. And that, of course, was a old Western set, wasn't it, the Spawn Ranch? Like in... Uh uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino, yeah. I think, exactly the same. Yeah. The old guy. Yeah. Played by Bruce Dern. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I love the fact that that dude, though, like, in the, in it, and the Manson's there going, oh, you're amazing, oh, you're a producer, you can, you can, I'm amazing, you got to hear me, blah, 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 blah. Look, to sweeten the deal, because I'm like a bimp. Yeah. There's some women in there for you. Go on, go have some fun. Yeah, that's all they just all come use the and sex, they're just, yeah, but totally they're all just fucking rank, rank with gonorrhea because they've just been fucking everybody. And they're all right, he's got to spend money on getting them all sorted out if he wants to stick his dick in there. So it's like, yeah, you kind of give, give me that, Charlie, but like, they're a bit rank. Yeah. I've got to sort them out before I can do anything. It's like getting a bit of beef and it's gone out of date. Yeah, it's got maggots on it or something. <laughs> like, oh, well, the thought's there, but it's just not good enough, is it, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, Charles Watson, a small-town Texan who had quit college and moved to California, soon joined the family and Spawn nicknamed him Tex due to his accent, imaginatively enough. Manson and Watson visited a Topanga Canyon acquaintance who played them the Beatles' recently released double album, The Beatles, also known as The White Album. Manson became obsessed with the group and to the family he spoke of them as the soul and part of the whole in the infinite. For some time Manson had been saying that racial tensions between people of colour and white people were about to erupt, predicting that people of colour would rise up in rebellion in America's cities. Manson explained to the family that the social turmoil he had been predicting had also been predicted by the Beatles. The White Album songs, he declared, foretold it all in code. He would soon maintain that the album was directed at the family, an elect group that was being instructed to preserve the worthy from impending disaster. In January 1969, the family moved to a yellow house in Canoga Park, not far from the Spawn Ranch, and Manson called it the Yellow Submarine, uh, another Beatles reference. By February, Manson's vision was complete. The family would create an album of songs that would trigger the predicted chaos. Ghastly murders of Caucasians by people of colour would be met with retaliation, and a split between racist and non-racist whites would bring Caucasians self-annihilation. The people of colour's triumph, as it were, would only precede them being ruled by the family, who would ride out the conflict in the bottomless pit, a secret city beneath Death Valley. So they're going to make an album? Yep. And they think the album's going to be so controversial, Mm -hmm. it's going to cause all this... It's going to cause a race war. How can an album cause a race war? I have no idea. Even if it's opinion and it's like... Blah 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 blah. I hate 
so whatever coloured yeah. person, blah 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 blah. That's still gonna be like, well, yeah, it's not gonna cause a race because it's just one person. It's not. Mm. That's weird. Yeah. Why is he trying to create a race war? So the the family will then rule over the people of colour after they've annihilated or encouraged the annihilation of everybody of else. Every... It's oh, very sorry, it's, fantastical, isn't it's it? It's really bizarre as well because, like, why why would he specifically want them to yeah. rule over people of colour? Yeah, why? Because it, it's... why would he want the people of colour to destroy everybody else? You know, so it's, it's a, it's a really a... weird and yeah, it's a very strange. There's no real reason. There's nothing really it's behind like, it. Why? Is there? Like, it's not a, a if, thing if that you, you can go was... right. I can see the layers to it. I can see the reasoning behind it. There is none. Because it's, it's not like the normal cults we've seen, where the leaders doing whatever and bringing the people in. He is doing that, but he doesn't really have a plan. No. And then all of a sudden he's just concocted this plan, but they they're going to go along with it. And he's not specifically getting anything out of it. Like obviously no, he's get, he's getting a fair amount of sex, but yeah, like yeah, but he's not getting money out of it. You know where they're living? They're living in a shithole. I mean, yeah, it's a big old ranch and stuff, but they've, they've all got, got no room. they've got no money. They've all yeah. got the clap. You know, it's fucking they're all off their tits all the time. So it's not exactly all he's got to do is carry on doing that. Mm. You didn't need to do anything else. Mm. Well, you can yeah. grow vegetables and maintain something there to live. Yeah. Then don't worry about it. You could have just ca- on carried on and the, the, just stayed the there. The old probably going to pass away at some Yeah, stage. and then you can just live there and fucking and do your it. thing. You know, There's no need to go off and do what, what you did. It's just insanity. But then I suppose, looking at the interview that we spoke about where he said, well, you've done whatever to me, I can do whatever to you. It's yeah. that kind of mentality that carried it on, isn't it? It must be. I he suppose. feels like at some point, uh, uh, even though this is still going on, it's he's feeling enough. like he's been you know, done over. He wants over. some kind of revenge or he yeah. wants something. He's feel like he's been bullied, so he's going to have to be the bully. Mm. But I don't know what thing that is that he feels is threatening him. No. Cause like, to cause... Si- by 60s and 70s standards, he's doing quite well. Surely. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really know why. Weird. Why is it? Why and it's hate on? Ashbury, not high Ashbury. Oh, okay. Which is ironic because it's a, it's a street full of love. Yeah. But it's hate Ashbury. Okay, so Manson entered a house on Cielo Drive uninvited on March the 23rd, 1969, which he had known as Melcher's House. Uh, so that was Terry Melcher. He was one of the record executives from the from earlier with Dennis Wilson, the Beach Boys guy. Um, but this was Alta Belli's property. He was another executive as well who had met with Dennis Wilson. Uh, Melcher was a previous tenant, and the tenants were now Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Manson was met by a photographer there to take pictures of Tate before she left for Rome the next day. He had seen Manson through a window as he approached the main house and gone out onto the porch to ask him what he wanted. Manson told him he was looking for someone the photographer didn't recognise the name of and he advised him to go down to the guest house where Alta Belli, who owned the property, he lived down there to go and see him. Um, Manson went down to the guest house and returned a minute or two later, then left without a word. That evening, Manson returned to the property and again went back to the guest house and spoke with Alta Belli. 
He asked after the previous tenant, Melcher, but Altabelli felt that he already knew that he didn't live there anymore and that he'd actually been looking for him. Altabelli flew with Tate to Rome the next day and Tate asked him whether that creepy-looking guy had gone back to the guest house the day before. By June 1969, Manson was telling the family they might have to show the people of colour how to start Helter Skelter, which he'd named the Apocalypse. When Manson gave Will Watson the task of getting some money, supposedly to help them prepare for the coming conflict, Watson ripped off a person of colour who's a drug dealer named Bernard Lots of Popper Crow. That's an amazing name. Lots of Popper. Lots of Popper. And Crow responded with a threat to wipe out everyone at Spawn Ranch. The family countered on the 1st of July 1969 by shooting Crow at Manson's Hollywood apartment. Uh, Manson's belief that he had killed Crow was seemingly confirmed by a news report about the finding of a body of a black panther in Los Angeles. Uh, Although Crow had not been a member, Manson concluded he had been and expected retaliation from them. He turned Spawn Ranch into a defensive camp with night patrols of armed guards. On July 25th, 1969, Manson sent family members to the home of Gary Hinman, Hinman was a music teacher and at some point in the 60s had befriended members of the family, allowing some to occasionally stay at his home. Manson was under the impression that Hinman was fairly wealthy and had recently inherited money, so he sent the family members to his house to convince him to join the family and turn over his assets. The three family members held the uncooperative Hinman hostage for two days, during which time Manson arrived and slashed his ear with a sword after which one of the family stabbed Hinman to death and, before leaving, used Hinman's blood to write political piggy on the wall. Also drawing a paw, the symbol of the Black Panthers. One of the members who took part in the murder was arrested on August 6, 1969, after he was caught driving Hinman's car. Police found the murder weapon in the car as well. Two days later, Manson told family members at the Spawn Ranch, now is the time for Helter Skelter. On the night of August the 8th, 1969, Tex Watson took Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian and Patricia Kremwinkle to that house where Melcher used to live, as Manson had told him, to totally destroy everyone in it and to do it as gruesome as you can. The occupants of the house that night were eight-and-a-half-month pregnant Sharon Tate, hairstylist Jay Sebring, Polanski's friend and screenwriter... I'm going to massacre this guy's name. Oh, God, I can't even approach it. I was not looking forward to this <laughs> That's bit. That's fine, go on. Uh, Wojciech Frykowski and Frykowski's girlfriend, Abigail Folger, who's a coffee heiress. The family arrived at the house just past midnight on August 9th, 1969. Watson climbed a telephone pole near the entrance gate and cut the phone line to the house. They backed their car to the bottom of the hill that led to the estate and walked up to the house, climbing an embankment to the right of the gate and entering the grounds. When headlights approached, Watson ordered the women to lie in the bushes while he stepped out and halted the driver. Stephen Parent had been visiting the caretaker who lived in the guest house. Watson pointed a revolver at him as as Parent begged him not to hurt him. Watson lunged at him with a knife, giving him a defensive wound on his hand that severed tendons and cut through his wristwatch. Then he shot him four times in the abdomen, killing him. 
Watson ordered the women to help push the car further up the driveway and Watson cut a screen off a window of the house, entering <coughs> excuse me, and letting Atkins and Crowwinkle in through the front door, with Kasabian keeping watch down by the gate. He whispered to Atkins and awoke Frykowski, who was sleeping on the living room couch. Watson kicked him in the head, and when Frykowski asked him who he was and what he was doing there, Watson replied, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. On Watson's direction, Atkins found the house's three other occupants, with Kremwinkle's help, and forced them to the living room. Watson began to tie Tate and Sebring together by their necks with rope. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to be doing the one which he'd bought. Sharing and narrating reviews, you don't have to. Ah, you know what I, mean? yeah. I, feel, I feel sorry for your front. I'm sitting there going, la 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 la. Oh no. Sorry. And he slung it. That's why I don't think you'd be able to read my writing. Even <laughs> I can't fucking read it most of the time. That's why it takes me a minute. I'm like, oh god, what's that say? And he, with rope which he bought, and he slung it over one of the living room ceiling beams. Sebring protested their rough treatment of Tate, so Watson shot him. Folger was taken momentarily back to her bedroom for her purse, and she gave them seventy dollars. Watson then stabbed her seven times. Oh no, stabbed Sebring seven times. Frykowski's hands had been bound with a towel, but he managed to free himself, and after struggling with Atkins, managed to fight his way out the front door and onto the porch. Uh, But Watson caught up with him, hit him over the head with the gun multiple times, stabbed him repeatedly, and shot him twice. Kasabian had heard horrifying sounds and moved towards the house from the gate. Inside the house, Folger escaped from Kremwinkle. Kremwinkle caught her on the front lawn where she stabbed her and tackled her to the ground. Watson then helped finish her off and at the, in the end she was stabbed a total of 28 times. Frykowski struggled across the lawn but Watson stabbed him to death. He suffered 51 stab wounds and had also been struck on the head with the gun 13 times. In the house, Tate pleaded to live long enough to give birth and offered herself as a hostage but both Atkins and Watson stabbed her 16 times, killing her. Manson told the women to leave a sign, something witchy. So Atkins wrote pig on the front door in Tate's blood. How's that witchy? Oh no. Bit of a numpty. The following night, Manson took the murderers, plus Leslie Van Houten and Steve Clem Grogan, for a drive. He wasn't pleased about the flight of the victims the previous night and was taking the six followers out to show them how to do it properly. He told Kasabian to drive to 3301 Waverley Drive, which was the home of supermarket executive Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary, co-owner of a dress shop which was located next to a house where the Manson family had attended a party the previous year. According to Atkins, Manson disappeared up the driveway and when he returned, said that he had tied up the house's occupants. He then sent Watson up with Kremwinkle and Van Houten. Watson and the women. Watson sent the women to the bedroom with Rosemary LaBianca while he went into the living room and began stabbing Lino with a chrome-plated bayonet. The first thrust went into his throat when he heard scuffling in the bedroom and went in there to discover Rosemary LaBianca keeping the women at bay by swinging the lamp which had been tied round her neck. He stabbed her several times with the bayonet then returned to the living room to continue attacking Lino whom he stabbed a total of 12 times and carved the word war into his abdomen. 
He then returned to the bedroom to find Kremwinkle stabbing Rosemary. Manson had instructed Watson to make sure that each woman played a part, so he told Van Houten to join in, which she did, stabbing her approximately 16 times in the back and exposed buttocks. Evidence at trial showed that most of the 41 stab wounds had been inflicted post-mortem. Watson then cleaned off the bayonet and showered, while Kremwinkle wrote Rise and Death to Pigs on the walls and Heel to Skelter on the refrigerator door in LaBianca's blood. Because <clears throat> she misspelled it, didn't she? Put an A in there. Oh, right. Should have been Hell to Skelter, but she did H-E-A-L-T-E-R. That, I thought, yeah, I thought you were just saying it wrong. Oh, uh, no. No, it's not me, it's Hilda Skelter. Ah, okay. But it should be Hilda Skelter, she just fucks it up, This whole thing is just so crazy, I know you're still going through it. It's insane, isn't it? But the whole thing, the whole, like, the the horribleness of the whole Sharon Tate and... and, Yeah, it's just fucking awful. And her being pregnant. Yeah. So heavily pregnant as well Mm. at the time. And just that whole thing is devastating, isn't it? It fucked up Blansky. Yeah, I bet. At the same time, though, do you know, though... This is another thing totally different. But there's there's a guy. It's a good point to say. There's a there's a guy who's been researching the whole Manson thing for like twenty years of his life, and he he believes that uh, Manson's kind of been used by the FBI as, as a pawn, yeah, so to speak, to do all this stuff. The guy's called Tom O'Neill. He wrote a book on it, and that that's his force. And there's another thing that is interesting. Said apparently there was a cop that I think it was a cop or someone. Or after that thing happened, Polanski went back to the house after the deaths and went up to the loft to retrieve a video. And apparently, it's a video of possibly Tate being held down and fucked. And he filmed oh, it. Oh, shit. Wow. I, I don't know. This is what I Spe- heard. Speculation. You know? yeah. um, I mean, that's kind of like hell. another thing to this. Like, a whole, it's like, what the fuck's that? Mm. And that's like with Polanski being a little bit of a slightly deviant person in a way yeah. but very subtly and keeping it under wraps sort of thing or whatever was that first thing you mentioned was that something to do with MK Ultra? I don't really think so it was already KMK but, oh, but okay. I suppose it could have been but I don't really think so um, okay. I think they're just using this guy and and but you were saying then that he was in prison for a while and stuff but there was this guy Tom O'Neill's his, his idea in it is that uh, the FBI were just letting him have lean sentences and getting yeah. out early to go back out there carry on what yeah. you're doing and then just keep pushing him in the right direction you can imagine that happening yeah, no, definitely. you can imagine that shit happening yeah. now because it's a good way of doing it let's do this it's a it's a convenient way for us to get on with doing some really sketchy shit yeah totally. but everyone else is going to be misdirected over here yeah while you're worrying about Manson we're over here doing Manson, something doing else yeah absolutely can't fucking uh, trust anyone can you no can't even trust us <clears throat> Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> you can trust you us. Can trust us. Join, our cult. <laughs> join, join our cult. Join our cult. Okay, so, uh, yeah, that same girl, Kremwinkle, who wrote on the, uh, who misspelled Helter Skelter, she gave Lino 14 puncture wounds with an ivory handled carving fork, which he left sticking out of his stomach. She also left a steak knife stuck in his throat. Fuck. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Manson drove the three other family members to the home of an actor, then drove back to the ranch, leaving them and the LaBianca killers to hitchhike back. <clears throat> Manson wanted the members to murder the actor in his apartment, but Kasabian deliberately thwarted the plan by knocking on the wrong apartment door and waking a stranger. 
They abandoned the murder plan, but Atkins defecated in the stairwell on the way out. The Tate murders became national news on August 9th, 1969, when the Polanski's housekeeper had arrived for work and discovered the murder scene. At first, the police thought it was the result of a drug transaction gone wrong and ignored the bloody writing link between, between this and the Hinman murder. William Garrison, the caretaker, was held as a suspect briefly but was released on August the 11th after undergoing a polygraph test that indicated he had not been involved in the crimes. The LeBianca crime scene was discovered at about 10.30pm on August the 10th, approximately 19 hours after the murders were committed. 15-year-old Frank Struthers, Rosemary's son from a previous marriage, had returned from a camping trip and was disturbed to see all the window shades drawn, so he called his older sister and her boyfriend. The boyfriend accompanied Frank into the house and discovered Lino's body. Rosemary's body was found later by investigating officers. On August the 16th, the Sheriff's Office raided Spawn Ranch and arrested Manson and 25 others as suspects in a major auto theft ring that had been stealing Volkswagen Beetles and converting them into June buggies. Randomly. <clears throat> Weapons were seized, but because the warrant had been misdated, the group was released a few days later. In a report at the end of August, when virtually all leads had gone nowhere, the LaBianca detectives noted a possible connection between the bloody writings at the LaBianca house and the singing group The Beatles' most recent album. Still working separately from the Tate team, the LaBianca team checked with the Sheriff's Office about possible similar crimes, learning of the Hinman case, as well as learning that the girlfriend of one of the members who'd been involved, Kitty Lutzinger, had been arrested a few days earlier, <clears throat> along with other members of the Manson family. The arrests for car thefts had taken place at the desert ranches to which the family had moved, and where, unknown to authorities, its members had been searching Death Valley for a hole in the ground, access to the bottomless pit, which is where they said they were going to rule from, they would survive the coming apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier on. Is your throat surviving here? Mm. Yeah, it's fine. It's just that stupid thyroid thing when I talk for so long. Yeah. Like it makes my throat all bigfoot jizzy. Well, we could finish this one up and come back with Scientology next time. Start up next one. Yeah. Would. I think that'd be yeah, better. Could if do. You, you look, yeah, 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 yeah. You're struggling. <laughs> She's struggling, peeps. She's struggling. <laughs> Um, a joint force of National Park Service rangers and officers from the California Highway Patrol had raided both ranches after following clues unwittingly left when family members burned an earth mover owned by Death Valley National Monuments. The raiders had found stolen dune buggies and other vehicles and had arrested two dozen people, including Manson, who had been found hiding in a cabinet underneath a bathroom sink. The officers had no idea. I'm so small. Yeah, the officers had no idea that the people they were arresting had any involvement with the murders, though. Following up leads a month after they'd spoken with Lutzinger, LaBianca detect- detectives contacted a motorcycle gang who Manson had tried to enlist as bodyguards, and while they suggested a link between Manson and the murders. A dorm mate of Susan Atkins informed the LAPD of the family's involvement in the crimes. Atkins was booked for the Hinman murder after telling detectives she was involved in it. 
transferred to Sybil Brand Institute, a detention centre in Monterey Park, California, she had begun talking to bunkmates about the events that she'd been involved in. On December the 1st and 2nd, warrants were issued for the family members involved, Manson and Atkins already being in custody. Before long, physical evidence such as fingerprints were found and ballistics tests were run on a gun that had been handed into the police on the 1st of September by 10-year-old Stephen Weiss and the results linked it to the murders. The trial began on June the 15th, 1970. The prosecution's main witness was Kasabian, who, along with Manson, Atkins and Kremwinkle, had been charged with seven counts of murder and one of conspiracy. Since Kasabian had allegedly not taken part in any of the killings, she was granted immunity in exchange for testimony that detailed the nights in question. On Friday, July the 1st, Manson appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. He issued a statement that he was considered inadequate and incompetent to speak or defend himself and had X'd himself from the establishment's world. I thought it was a, a religious cross. It was an X, was it? Yeah. Straight X, fucking yeah. hell. This was due to him being denied to act as his own attorney. Over the following weekend, the female defendants duplicated the mark on their own foreheads, as did most members of the family, within a day or so. Years later, obviously, Manson turned the X into a swastika. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it goes from an X to a swastika. Um, on January 25th, 1971, the jury returned guilty verdicts against the four defendants on each of the 27 separate counts against them, and on April the 19th, 1971, they were all sentenced to death. Watson had returned to McKinney, Texas, after the murders, and he was arrested on November the 30th, 1969, after local police were notified by California investigators that his fingerprints were a match for ones found on the Tate front door. He fought extradition to California long enough so he wasn't among the defendants tried with Manson, but by October 1971 he had also been found guilty on seven counts of murder and one of conspiracy, and he was also sentenced to death. In February 1972, the death sentence of all five were automatically reduced to life in prison by People v. Anderson, which was a landmark case in the state of California that temporarily outlawed the use of capital punishment. And after his return to prison, Manson's rhetoric held little sway anymore, though he did find temporary acceptance from the Aryan Brotherhood. Apparently his role was submissive to a sexually aggressive member of the group at San Quentin. Great. (laughs) I bet that dude was like, Charles Manson's my bitch. Charles Manson likes it. He's my prison... Uh, Yeah, get over here! He's my prison wife. Oh, my God. Charles Manson's my prison wife. I bet that dude was like, fuck it, I'm Mr Big Balls. Imagine saying that shit. Charles Manson's my my prison bitch. Sucks my dick. Yeah. Weirdness. Uh, It was announced in 2008 that Susan Atkins was suffering from brain cancer, but she was denied compassionate release, and she died from natural causes in 2009. Patricia Kremwinkle's still alive and she's the longest incarcerated female in the California penal system. Really? Yeah. Linda Kasabian's still alive but she avoids any publicity and apparently she really regrets any involvement with any of this. Mm. Uh, Tex Watson's still in prison. He was denied parole in 2018. 
and Charles Manson, obviously he's dead. He died of a heart heart attack and complications from colon cancer on November the 19th, 2017, and he was 83 years old. Hmm. That is a, it's such a crazy story, It's isn't mad, it? isn't it? It's so bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Manson and the family. Yeah. And how... And he's like goes down in pop history uh, almost. It's like a lot of people say that was the ending of the free love yeah. hippie movement was the, the those killings especially the Polanski Tate mm. killing situation yeah. um, because it just it's, it's just such a massive thing like boom that's, that's it there's no like you know we can't come back from this this is too big a thing you know yeah. such a lot of hate and so much going on there and the, the politicalness of it all and just everything that yeah, just a massive thing ripple through the the nation. I think we've got a recording of we Char- have got of Charlie, Charlie, haven't we? Speaking yeah, this well, was an interview in nineteen eighty seven, was it? Something like that. I will um, I'll get it now. Wouldn't do anything that I felt guilty about. You don't feel guilty at all. There's no need to feel guilty. I haven't done anything I'm ashamed of. Maybe I haven't done enough. I might be ashamed of that for not doing enough, for not giving enough, for not being more perceptive, for not being aware enough, for not understanding, for uh, being stupid. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You know, if I wanted to kill somebody... I'd take this book and beat you to death with it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. It'd be just like walking to the drugstore. Do you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like wolves go bob right frantic? Get frantic, but boots, boots, be a remix to get 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 Google. Be a big deal for stabbing, fighting, ready to work a bugger. Wow. Yeah, because I've got a couple of videotapes of Charlie Manson. I've got that interview. Oh, uh, okay. Video I've, I have watched, watched them a few times. I've watched them a few times. Oh, my God. Yeah, and That's it's crazy. Like, real craziness. Wow. Starts bee bobbing. Uh, starts scatting. Scatting. <laughs> Red Jack Charlie Manson. Start oh a scat God. band. Don't. Probably been brilliant. Uh. Um. Yeah, but poor Charlie, in a way, like, he had no chance. No, he didn't. It's just like uh, Eileen Wernos, you know, she really fucking, I feel so bad for her because she never had a chance either. Who's she, sorry? Eileen Wernos. The lady, worst lady serial killer, isn't she? She killed all those guys. She was a prostitute. Oh, right. I don't think I really know her that much. What? No way. You seen Monster, the film? No, I've not seen it. Ah, you should watch it. It's an amazing film. Mm. So just like her as well. Crazy. Yeah, Um, such a good movie. But yeah, so sad. You know, she never had a fucking chance, and nor did Charlie Manson. No. From the get-go. So, you tough. This is how it is for you. It's just it. So, get on with it. But, and and the thing is, though, this is what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he managed to achieve what he did... Mm is is um quite impressive in a way and i'm not impressive in this yeah. like i i uh, endorse in any way anything no like, well hatred. this is what but i mean is in like in cult leaders in themselves yeah just the fact that they can do this and make this and people follow them like jesus did yeah so this supposedly, is what, or, we were you know, kind of getting into this conversation a bit last night weren't we, we and we yeah. were kind of like no stop doing that but i was saying like 
I don't admire Jim Jones at all. I don't admire anyone. I don't. I don't condone it at all. I think they're all awful, awful, awful people. But I admire the tenacity of of people like Jim Jones and the way that he got all those people to follow him from America to fucking Guy Artner. You know, we'll see in the next episode. But end up in the middle of the jungle. There's nothing there, you know, these guys have just come from America, they've got to build all this shit themselves and they've got to clear the land as well, you know, for him to get those people over there and fucking do that shit, it's just crazy, you know, how much clout did he have? It's insane for him to go, yeah, I'm just going to do that, you know, they'll come with me. Well, let's say Charlie it's then like found music instead and put all of that passion and pushing and drive yeah. into music and a career in music. Mm. He'd have been, he'd have been, he'd have made it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you know. Um, so it, it's, I guess it's that whole deal in the hand you dealt with. Yeah. Which for some people's fucking shit. Yeah, definitely. Boy, and still is now and will be, and it's just the way mm. it is. It's just the way life is. Yeah. But wow, craziness. Yeah. But that's been so hectic and Lee, not hectic, but so epically long. Uh, I think your throat needs some ah, yeah, I think soothing. I think we will. I did wonder if we'd end up doing Scientology next time because it's such a it's, long episode uh, now. Well, it's going to be even longer next time, probably. Ah, um, but yeah, if I'd have known that, I could have not rushed to do the Scientology. <laughs> Never mind. That's it's right. done now. Thank you didn't God. procrastinate, you see? Yeah. Um, but that's really good though like everything you're saying that's such an interesting it's nice to dissect this whole thinking of yeah. cults the people that do it the people who go along with it yeah totally so interesting it's so mm. fascinating yeah alright well there you go I suppose really yeah and that's the first part of, of cults done so we'll be back next time and we'll do Scientology and we'll look at Om Shinrikyo with the gas attacks on the Tokyo subway and we're going to have uh, Jim Jones and the People's Temple that's, that's some, some epic Children cults. of God yeah that's what My I mean God. these are all the big ones coming next Children of God I David really, Burke I said to you a free part and you're like nah oh, so no, I don't know see how it goes next time because yeah, if you get to totally. the point again and your throat's going again uh-huh. you're going to have to be like this is going to yeah, be a three parter okay, well, I'll I use think leave it open note limit yeah maybe a three parter I think so it could be because we've got all them we've got a rock theorio and the Ant Hill Kids as well in Canada that's the older amateur, mm. amateur surgery man mm. we're just going to get like oh cringe Looking forward good. to hearing all that oh. stuff. So, yeah, you've got, got all the bad ones coming next episode. Absolutely. Um, this is a good segue into uh, uh, Joseph is Missing. Oh, yeah. Little, yeah. little internet web series we made. That's so good. Uh, that's to do with cults. Mm. Um, and you can watch that for free on the Deadbolt YouTube channel or you can go to deadboltfilms.com website. Or is it deadbolt.com? No, it's deadboltfilms.com. And on there, there's links to the videos and stuff, which also has my podcast on Haunted Hill, the other show that I do, and you. That was so good last time as well. I was dying with the Christmas present bit. <laughs> on World of the Strange. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Loved it. You have to watch it. Have to but yeah. listen to that. Yeah, and it's me as well. I'm Foxy's Fantastic Fabrications, and I crochet lots of horror stuff non-horror stuff as well you can, and you you can, can have hit, yourself a little Charlie Manson yeah hit me up for some commissions if you want anything you can think of pretty much I can make 
Um, so yeah, feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find my Etsy links there as well. Cool. Well, thank you yeah. very much. And come back next time. Listen to some more cults. Find we'll come out back for part two. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Star of Scientology as a, as a starter, oh, then a main course, god. then a dessert. Yeah. Wow. Shit. Fuck. That's gonna be some dinner. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, nice one. Cool. Don't don't join a cult while we're away. Do no, come back. Do come back to us because honestly, they get worse. So don't join any. I do. We're, we're not trying to make it say go yeah, go join a cult. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back soon. Stay safe. Lock those cool. windows. Shut those curtains. Uh, make sure no one's Don't make eye at you. contact. <laughs> make sure no one's in the garden. Have a little look. Oh, my God. Good night. Michael Myers wanker. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>